0: You know what? I like Windows 8 overall. Mm-hmm. Some aspects of it make no fucking sense whatsoever. Do you also have an ad- advertisement of it right next to your computer, or right next to my face? Mm, oh, um, the one that says best—it's a Best Buy one, right? Yeah, for a computer. Touchscreen says- PC starting at $329.99. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, windows. Eight. Eight. Two, yeah,
1: it's not national underground thunderbounds when I stop the ground. Like a million elephants, a silver back or rank buttons. You can't stop a train. Who wants up? Don't come unprepared. I'll be there. But when I leave there, better be a household name. Well, man telling us it ain't gonna rain. So now we sitting in a drop top soaking win. In the tip to try not to sweat. Hit
2: some without the neck. But this we
1: need a year that we won't forget one nine.
2: Well, okay. Yeah. But before we even get started, um it's bomb gym who right.
0: Um, I say Bong Joon Ho, but... Okay, I,
2: I will say Bong Joon Ho, because I do
0: not want another drink Kachoochee. <laughs> but we are, bro- we are both white. That's so. true. We are cocky. Now we know when we're starting the podcast, bud. We're not
1: really, it was bad all along before you left ass up to a ball of power. Thoughts at a thousand miles for hour. Hello ghetto, let your brain breathe. Believe that's always more.
0: that no question your authenticity cuz I know it's friend I'm incredible
1: not <laughs> that <authentic>. who do go straight <laughs> I want you to everything of mine Microphone like that, there, boy we still say, big things happen every time we meet, like a tracking crack, ain't dying a geek. Outcasts bumping up and down the street, slam back, had that by five nickel feet, seventy five MCs, freestyle until the week, because we get cross, they drop at clubs. Should have bought an ounce, but you caught the doves. Should have held back, but you told the punch. Won't meet you good, but you packed the lunch. No G to the U to the G for you. Got a son on the way by the name of Bamboo. Got a little baby girl for a year, Jordan. Never turn my back on my kids, but I should have hit it
2: with Top for you, we go get a laptop, make a bid for you. Welcome to the abandoned theater segment. Of the speakers, screens, podcast, blog.
0: Technically, then, we're kind of our own podcast now. You think yeah.
2: Uh, yes, that is true. We're still like with, or it's like a bigger company.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: As, as, as big as we get is the speakers and screens, where we write about music. For those of you who've been to the blog, we write about music, uh, television, and movies.
0: Um, Not so much television. I don't think we. I don't think we have any television articles yet.
2: This is true. Hopefully, we'll start getting one or two with Breaking Bad starting up again because yeah. pretty much everyone on the blog is a huge fan of yeah. the show. Yeah,
0: yeah. The at, at, the, at the time of recording, we're at um, uh, you know August 11th, and tonight is the premiere of the. Uh, I always want. I always want to say season six because it feels like a new season, but it is. no, it's it's sec- the second half of season five. For all intents and purposes, it's season six. Yeah. Exactly. It's um, all.
2: I mean, and, and really, I mean, for a television show, it is quite cinematic, and could we could de- one day develop an entire, you know, uh, podcast on that, and hopefully we'll get one together. It seems like Kyle is trying to get
0: one for that. Well, well, Kyle is trying to do one for every episode, and I think yes. that was sort of our plan. I'm not sure if I'll be able to do it. Yeah. If it, if it was on, if it premiered on Saturdays, well, first of all, it shouldn't premiere on Saturdays because it's just ridiculous to do for a TV show. Mm-hmm. But considering it's Sunday night, you know, and um, you know, w- once the school year starts, I'm actually gonna start working in the morning, so yeah, yeah as opposed to the afternoon, which is wh- how I worked last semester. But exactly. it, then it'll be next to impossible for me to do that.
2: Yeah, uh, Samir, I'll be getting up at five thirty, six o'clock starting
0: tomorrow. So <laughs> oh. oh, you but... start you start working, uh, for, yeah, like you start working uh, like preparing lessons, pl- lesson plans, or something. TJ is a teacher, by the way. If I am you and, le- I, and I love legit, it yeah you got you guys a legit legit career
2: the um th- th- this would be my side job if I got paid for it but I like doing it so
0: <laughs> the idea of getting paid to podcast is just such a foreign one to me
2: yes it, it, it's ridiculous th- that yeah. will never happen for us but hopefully we'll collect a small
0: group of awesome fans okay so so what we got in the docket today is um uh, the main segment of the podcast is going to be um, something that I, I completely stole from the B-Movies podcast, which is a podcast that I listen to about movies um, that that I very much like, you know, that I listen, I listen to every week. The advertisement just changed for me. Did it change for you? Yes, it
2: did. State Convenient health care and more services.
0: Oh, really? Because I have State Farm.
2: Oh, that's weird. I have Walgreens.
0: Oh, all right. Well... <clears throat> Yeah, I stole this. I stole, I stole this pod, podcast topic from uh, the B Movies podcast, which uh, is for Crave Online or something like that. I just subscribed to it through iTunes. Um, but the the general concept is, um, since we're about a third of the way through the decade, um, me and TJ are going to list our top ten favorite films of the decade so far, and the threshold that I have sort of um that we're using for this is from january 2010 to um around may of this year mm-hmm. <clears throat> and um but before that we're yeah, going going to end with that we're going to end with that even though it's going to take e- easily the most time out of, out of the podcast absolutely um but but before that we're going to well let's just start it out start off we're going to start by talking about um, one movie that's currently in release, mm-hmm. we, we might bring up a couple of a couple of other ones, but the one we're going to discuss formally is um, *Elysium*, the latest film from Neil Blomkamp, who really kind of really kind of exploded into popularity with uh, *District 9* came out four years ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, some people knew knew him through the short film that he made. Um, Alive in Johannesburg, I think that's what it was called, and it's, basic, it's basically District Nine. It's it's it. It was the basic idea for District Nine, just in a short form. TJ, why don't you explain the plot synopsis for um for uh, Elysium? I just realized we never introduced we never introduced ourselves.
2: That's true. I am TJ Duane of Abandoned <laughs> Theater Podcast, and this is.
0: Uh, I'm, I'm Robert Beck we're, uh you didn't mention that we're both writers for speakers yeah. and screens. you you mostly write about movies in the abandoned mm-hmm. abandoned theater section. I'm actually working on a piece on a certain animated movie nice. that I yeah I, I want to put up sometime in the week. I'm like I suck at I suck at ending things. like I'm mm-hmm. in the last the last paragraph or so. Or you know, I'm I'm at the length where I should really be concluding it, but I have no clue how to. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one of my big problems in terms of writing. Um, but anyway, yeah, let's go back to Elysium now. Now that we've introduced ourselves, uh, th- this is going to be a clusterfuck to edit. But
2: we... yes, I feel I feel bad for Kyle.
0: Let, nah, just <laughs> let's let's just go on with it. Okay, so Elysium. 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 E- e- Explain Elysium.
2: It is the, the synapsis would be in the twenty one hundreds, earth. Is, yeah, the exact year, thank you. The earth <laughs> is overpopulated, it is polluted, and pretty much all the rich people have left on to go to a space station that looks kind of like the halo, halo from the video game <laughs> up up floating above Earth. And people on and the name of that space station is Elysium. People on Earth occasionally try to sneak onto Elysium to use their tanning
0: beds that get rid of diseases and injury. That's like the basic. And they're called, idea. And, and when they come, and when they smuggle themselves onto Elysium, they're called illegals. Guess yes. what? Guess what? That's an allegory for.
2: Yes, exactly. And they have all these means to help these people on Earth, but they choose not to help because they don't care about their health care and their, and their quality of life because they're all lazy, poor people, of course. And of course, the people on Earth are making the, the robots and weapons of war for the people on Elysium to protect the people of Elysium from the people on Earth who are making the robots. So there are a lot of not subtle political allegory, which I'll think, get to in a moment. It, it could have bothered
0: me a lot more. I will say that. It could have, but the thing is like district nine. Okay. The, the, the allegory of that was not exactly subtle. Oh I mean, yeah. But I, I, it loved, wasn't subtle at yeah, all.
2: I love the allegory in that though.
0: I love it it's too. Like, I find, I found it to be a little bit richer than yeah. this where, to where it's just like, Oh, you got the rich people over here and the poor people over here. Oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah.
2: Exactly. Our protagonist is um, Max, played by Matt Damon, who, in my opinion, does a solid job, but mostly because he's Matt Damon. So he whenever plays he's seen... Matt
0: Damon. Oh, my yes. God. I haven't seen him play anyone else since, so, uh, since The Informant. Which he's fantastic in. I he's totally fanta- he is fantastic in The Informant. But it,
2: having said that, while I fault Matt Damon for playing Matt Damon, at least they didn't hire a, an actor who had less charisma. Because at least yeah. when I see Matt Damon, I'm like, I like you, Matt Damon. It could be worse. You could be Taylor Kitsch or or any of these slew <laughs> of actors that people try to build up to be. The, or Ryan Reynolds, someone who I despise seeing him in every movie oh, I've wow. ever seen. With him. I really dislike Ryan Reynolds as an actor. He could be a nice guy. No idea. <laughs> but uh, as an actor, I'm like, I'm not seeing that because Ryan Reynolds is in it um All right. he's he just he annoys me and, he, and hollywood tries to build him up to be this big superstar and he's not matt damon at least has earned the title of i can play myself in every movie and you're gonna Oh kind of geez.
0: Follow. I, I, I just ima- i just imagine ryan reynolds playing max oh god <laughs> it, it, oh my god now now, it, now, I'm, now i'm thankful for matt damon Yes, uh, I know exactly. Now that you put that, put me in that mindset. It
2: could be so much worse, or it could be a Charlie Hunnam from from uh, Pacific Rim. I think Pacific Rim's a
0: better film, but still. Well, I, I mean, I'm I'm sure he's good in other things. I mean, yeah, uh, I, you know, I I haven't seen Sons of Anarchy despite the fact that my, the rest of my family is obsessed with it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but I still haven't watched it. Yeah. But you know, I hear he's decent in that. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. The advertisement changed to Cadillac now. I don't have one. You don't have one anymore? Mm-mm. Oh. That's weird. I just have Tyler the Creator's face. <laughs> Which is my Skype thing. Yes. The um
2: so Matt Damon's plight is he has he gets radiation poisoning on the job because he works at a really crappy place, obviously. A fact and thing. And he wants to get to Elysium to use their magic tanning beds to heal his radiation
0: poisoning. And he only has five days to do this, or else he's going to die.
2: Exactly. And after a chain of events, and there's another a, a undeveloped romantic sl- side plot, and and a child with leukemia with the girl he likes. But that's really not that big of a deal in the movie, I felt like, the way that they depicted it. I cared because it was a child. I did not yeah. care.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's
2: it. Like, oh, you made it a child. I cared like-
0: more about the child than Matt Damon, not because... I dislike Matt Damon, but yeah. not because not because the child subplot was really developed well. Mm-hmm. I cared because it was a freaking child. Exactly. So, and I Matt think has- the, I think the movie like not purposely but didn't choose to write it anymore because they they knew that we would only care because it was a child.
2: Yes, exactly. I mean, it, it, it's a it's a not a character, it's more of a prop. Yeah,
0: okay. it's a it's a device. <laughs> yes.
2: So, Matt Damon, through some of his old buddies, because he used to have trouble with the law, or Max, sorry, the character's name, he gets... You can't tell. <laughs> I know. So we'll call him Max Damon. So, he gets... Oh! <laughs> um, how would you describe it when when he gets outfitted with all
0: the cybernet? Oh, it's badass. He gets, like, this um, yeah. sweet robot suit. It's kind of like... um, It reminded me a lot of uh, uh, Dr. Octopus... How, Mm -hmm. like, he gets the thing grafted into his spine, and Mm -hmm. the thing is in his neck. It's a lot like that, except instead of a bunch of tentacles, it's uh, this thing, you know, robot thing. I don't really know. It uh, it, it didn't totally explain what the benefits of that is, other than, you know... Super strength. Super strength and punching people. Exactly.
2: Which he uses, effectively, throughout the rest of the movie. But... So the movie starts from there, and it just kind of goes in its wild, uh, in on its wild adventure, which was thankfully not like a two and a half hour movie. Like, oh my god, oh, thank god! I know. I oh, was because was... this
0: wasn't. Thank god this wasn't Man of Steel.
2: Exactly. I mean, and I'm implying right now that I didn't like it, and I have to say I'm not the biggest fan of this movie. But no. however, there there are parts
0: that I appreciated, and its brevity was one. Yeah, yeah. it it, it felt shorter than District Nine. Yeah, it did. I think um, I think it was shorter than District District Nine, actually. I do not know the runtime on District Nine. I don't remember. Now I have to look it up because now yeah. I'm now I'm like completely. Now I won't get that thought out of my mind. That's just exactly. the way it Uh District Nine is 112 minutes, so um, yeah, eight long minutes long. shy of two hours. And I think Elysium was only around 90. Percent.
2: Yeah, it was, it was like 140-something. No, uh, an hour. Or, uh, 109, 109 yeah. minutes. There you go. Um, the, so, my issues with this uh, movie. I have to say that I've seen 15 movies so far this year. I, I don't I, The first half of the year, I never see as many as I do in the second half of the year. I play a lot of catch Because,
0: of, because the first half of the year is usually shit. Exactly.
2: Well, and I I was actually anticipating this to be the best blockbuster, and it wasn't. This probably is my fifteenth favorite movie of fifteen that I've seen. Oh, no! which isn't to say I hate it, because I don't. I also have not oh, seen no. a terrible. I have, I also have not seen a terrible movie this year, like legitimately terrible. Because you
0: didn't, you didn't see movie forty three like I had to. Exactly.
2: So it's so my list has is like
0: weighted. Like last yeah. place,
2: it could be a lot worse. I mean, I, yeah. I could have
0: not bothered. So, so 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 far, Elysium is the worst movie you've seen this year, but you didn't hate it.
2: Exactly. I mean, so, I, I would give, I would give it in the six range on a ten point scale. You see, the
0: thing the thing is uh, that differentiates us from a lot of other movie podcasts where the people are like legit critics who are like working for a publication or mm-hmm. something. We're regular folks. Yeah. All right. I I choose to see. We choose to see a lot of movies. I probably see even more new ones than you do because I, I, yeah, don't give, you do. I, I just don't give a fuck about wasting my money, even though I should. <laughs> you know, I've I, actually
2: seen a lot of VOD this year, and I'll talk about that right when we're done with Elysium, but um, video on demand's been, been nice to my, my bank account.
0: Yeah.
2: But, um, so Elysium, my issues. My biggest issue is the fact that I think the story is sloppy, and I think that yeah. it's very... It's too serious. Now, having said that, the... There's a stage of character that, in this movie, that I really enjoyed. Oh, he wasn't yeah. Com- he was not complex. He was not impressive. He was merely enjoyable. He, he was, was lo- just simply
0: bad ass.
2: Yes, it was Charlotte Copley's, uh, the star, uh, Vickis, from uh, District 9. In this movie, he plays a rapist-marauding barbarian, essentially, who works for the rich um, Jodie Foster, who I love Jodie Foster, was
0: terrible. Oh, good lord! She was awful in this. I,
2: and I love her. I mean, I, I do. But in this movie, she just phoned it in, and uh, and her accent was was weird. It, okay, it reminded here's me.
0: A, here's of, the thing. Why did why were the people in Elysium? Wh- wh- why do they have accents?
2: I mean, what in Patel God's made name sense. Was
0: the point of that.
2: President President Patel was Indian heritage, so his accent made sense.
0: <laughs> yeah, Jodie Foster's did not. I mean. No. It wasn't a French accent.
2: It was not spoke, a French
0: accent. She spoke French in the near the beginning, and her last name is uh, Delacourt. So yeah,
2: but she didn't ask anyone for the damn croissants. So I'm, <laughs> I'm confused. Um, but but um but yeah, she was terrible. But Charlotte Heston <gasps> totally relished in his cartoon character role, and it was enjoyable. I of course wanted him to lose because I I can never root for the bad guy just my in my nature. But I was like, well, I'm glad that. When at one point he's injured and then he's not and returns to the storyline, we'll just say that. Yeah. I was like, oh, I was like, thank God. He's because without, without him, this movie would have fallen so flat. But he also feels he doesn't fit the tone of the rest of the movie.
0: Oh, absolutely not. no. And the, but,
2: so it made me want this movie to be more cartoony, which is not what I don't think Blomkamp was going for at all. Because Damon's so broody... There's so much depressing shit with all the poor, the poor people, the sick people, the child with leukemia, all the hyper violence
0: that Yeah, like like it this 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 isn't a film that's violent throughout, but when mm-hmm. it is, it's super graphic and always in slow motion. There's so much slow motion in this fucking movie.
2: Yeah, and, and actually, like you
0: see, you see someone's face get torn off in slow motion. You see someone get blown to bits in, in slow motion. When you see a ro- when you see a robot get blown to bits in slow motion, it looks pretty sweet. When you see does. a person, it's just like, oh, why is that it, it, remi- it,
2: it reminded me in Looper whenever the uh, the, the the psychic child uh, blew up the
0: hitman. It actually reminded me of um, uh, Christina Hendricks getting her head blown off in, in yeah. Drive.
2: Yeah, and having said that, I would say that if I was to go to the most graphic movie, predicting what would be the most graphic movie at the start of the year, I would have predicted something like Only God Forgives. I would say that this movie shocked me more with its violence. Not oh I'm yeah, against, of course. I, I'm not against the violence. It's it's violence. It, I mean, I'm I'm pretty chill guy. I, I don't want to go kill people after I watch this movie. Well, there's but, one,
0: there's one scene in Only God Forgives that might be a little more violent. Yes,
2: yeah, so um, yes, uh, the torture scene or yeah. the—
0: the, okay. the, the torture scene that's why I'm yes ab-
2: no I, I would agree with you there um but this movie i after i left it i'm like you know i enjoyed some of this some of the scenes but i felt like all the action scenes could have been shot better because
0: the the, the shaky cam was a bit distracting it's shaky it, it, it's it seems like parts were kind of you kind of filmed in uh, michael bay confuso vision yes and um it, can i just say something absolutely well, of course, this is my podcast. <laughs> um, you have my permission. <laughs> yeah, you have um, my permission to speak. Yeah, I saw just about everything, uh, every major plot point, coming from the beginning of the movie. Yes, when when I, when I when Matt when Matt Damon gets sick, and mm-hmm. when simultaneously we find out that his sort of fake love interest not not fake but you know yeah not really a love interest just a girl that tags on when you find it when you find out that her daughter is sick i'm like i got it Mm -hmm. i knew exactly what was going to happen and i was correct yeah no
2: no absolutely it it, the movie was predictable and its end was also as someone who would love universal health care was unrealistic (laughs) That's uh, not going to yeah. sustain this. The world's already overpopulated. Like, it's depressing to say, but, like, this is actually going to hurt these people more, and that's just twisted. They need to build more space stations or something. Like, find a better solution, because it's just... Yeah. I, like, I want the second movie, made in documentary style, almost like District 9, <laughs> where, we, where we understand the complexities of this new healthcare system that our former criminals... Uh, what was the name of the character who yelled all the time, who was, like, Matt Damon's old boss whenever he was, uh... Like, he had a weird yelling voice. Um... That, who, whenever he was in, in crime, stealing cars.
0: Jeez, uh... Oh, oh, I know who you're talking about. Um, yeah. s- was it Spider? Yeah, Spider, yeah. Yeah, so uh, I, uh the I, act, right. that actor was Wagner Mora. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah okay. I'm, I'm looking at his... He He's Brazilian.
2: Oh, which, did, well, that makes sense.
0: Yeah. The, the um, so, like... I want to know how
2: he's gonna to try to fix this situation because he he seems to be somewhat in charge now,
0: after the reboot. Yeah, uh,
2: I, I guess I just spoiled the movie. I apologize, people listening, but the movie's predictable. You would have figured it out anyway.
0: You would have, you would have figured out. That, yeah, this is very predictable. And uh, the 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 thing is, okay, I, I had a I had a somewhat similar issue with um, District Nine, but just District Nine was a little more consistent with it. Uh-huh. Um. Well, I talked I talked to, talk to you like a, I mostly really really like District Nine. I mm-hmm. think it goes a little too rock 'em sock 'em robots at the end, mm-hmm. um, but for the most part, I really dig it. Uh, this movie not only does it, it it's pretty much rock 'em sock 'em robots from, um, 30 minutes in. Yeah, and it, it's not it's not mind-numbingly repetitive like Man of Steel, mm-hmm. but I feel like for the first uh, 20 or so minutes, you, you know, it's it's societal politics and it's um, sort of allegorical um, uh, weight that it puts on us. It puts us pretty heavily on us. I mean, it's pretty grim at the beginning. Yeah. <clears throat> that kind of gets just tossed out the window around the thirty yeah. mark, and kind of just becomes, "Oh, we gotta get up to Elysium. Oh, we gotta change the change the code. Oh, we gotta get this girl from being sick," and it stops being about what it's about, which I'm. Yeah, I'm I'm a little fine with that, but mm-hmm. what replaced it wasn't really entertaining either. Well, no, it, 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 it was like shallowly entertaining. Yes. Yeah. Um. And, and, so and, you know, way I mentioned this earlier. Total overuse of slow motion. Yeah. I, I can take I can take that from some directors. Like I don't know. I think I think when Harmony Korine uses slow motion, I think it's fucking awesome. Oh yeah. Um. But uh. <clears throat> a totally different director, but um, mm-hmm. in in action movies, if it's used over and over again, like, like in Guy Ritchie films, for example, mm-hmm. it just kind of gives me a headache.
2: Yeah. the um, I think the last thing I really have about this movie, I, I went into it a little bit, is just the characterization. Afterwards, I was leaving like, so um, a lot of members of my family make fun of me because I kind of diss the movies that they like. A, a lot of the broad superhero movies, a lot of the... Um, just uh movies that just i don't fancy because i'm looking for something a little deeper yeah
0: um
2: and this movie is like so why did i like looper so much last year because i really love that movie it's my one of my favorite small scale um like other than moon it's the only one that in district nine yeah oh yeah i would say moon might probably would even be better but um i'm just thinking of why i liked looper so much why that one specifically and i think why it is is that looper has interesting characters i'm not yep. saying that i'm not saying that looper has um characters that everyone loves because you don't but joseph gordon lovett initially is an amoral character that you like because he's charismatic but you also kind of despise because of what he does and then you have a moral issue when when the older joseph gordon lovett bruce wills comes in and then you have the mother like and all of these characters i find very complex and interesting so i follow yep. the story, like. The science fiction stuff, even with the help of Shane Carruth, a lot of people have poked a lot of holes and, and, I, and I accept that. And But when I watch the movie, I can't deny that I really enjoy Looper because of the characters. I enjoy Moon because of the characters. District 9, because I lo- Vickis is a loser. And I love him. I don't know why. I follow his character and I need that to be my wedge into this science fiction story. It's also why my favorite blockbuster of the year is, other than Pacific Rim, which actually has an issue with that, but uh, Guillermo's personality comes through in the character design and the plot so much where I feel like that yeah. in itself is kind of a character. But <clears the throat> otherwise, it's it's Iron Man 3 just because Robert Downey Jr., I follow him. Like, yeah. willingly, because
0: he's very good at that role. Yeah, the... I mean, that came out, like, at the tippy-tippy top of summer. Yes. And at the time, I was like, this is good, but, you know, this, 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 and that going to be way better. Mm-hmm. And as summer is really ending, I mean, the only other I guess summer movie I have yet to see is The World's End um mm-hmm. that's probably one of the better summer movies because it's just been yeah. such, a, such a disappointing summer to be honest with you and even Star Trek which I would give a
2: light seven a strong six <laughs> is not the biggest fan of franchise I have to admit it's better than Elysium
0: why because of the characters like see I see I I like the I like the new Star Trek significantly more than a lot of people well it has mm-hmm. a, it has a really high rotten tomato score but there are significant detractors and mm-hmm. whatever they bring up you know a lot of the points I'm like I understand what you're saying I don't really care yeah. <laughs> I mean I mean
2: you watch star Trek you you're impressed by the chemistry of the cast
0: well, yeah like, yeah and also just the the sense of adventure that I get from yeah. from those films and I, and I still got get that from the new one i I, I, a lot, I have a lot of fun with it
2: Yeah, I mean, I think the new one's really fun. For me, I mean, it's probably the same stuff you you hear echo throughout the Rotten Tomatoes world. But, like, just the the third act is kind of, is where I I stopped enjoying it quite as much. But I still have to say I enjoyed Star Trek. And, again, (laughs) I've seen so few bad movies that that would be my second least favorite movie of the year, which is hilarious because I could honestly say I enjoy Star Trek, too. So, Mm -hmm. yes. Anything else to add about
0: Elysium? Um, not about the movie itself but my experience with it actually has a pretty happy ending because there was this there was this glitch that went on throughout the whole film I can't tell you what it was but like <clears throat> every 30 seconds or so like the, a frame would like shift or something and mm-hmm. it, and there was something wrong with my theater and like <clears throat> um, I I love my theater because they work extremely hard to make sure everything runs just peachy fucking keen. And whenever mm-hmm. the slightest thing is wrong, they give us fucking free tickets afterwards,
2: and right. which, is, which is what
0: happened with this. Like I remember I, remember I went to see um, Avengers with my grandpa, and um, the air conditioner apparently wasn't working. I, I couldn't tell. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And this is a packed house, so I'm kind of surprised that I couldn't tell with all the people in there. Yeah. But uh, before the movie started, they came in and they said the air conditioner isn't working. Uh, we're going to give you free, free passes afterwards to have a better mm-hmm. experience. So I got a free t- I got a free pass out of this, so yeah, it wasn't a total it wasn't a total waste of time. That, that 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 would
2: be worth it, you could probably use it to see the the world's end.
0: Yeah, that's probably what I'm gonna do what I'm gonna do.
2: Um the uh, do you wanna talk about other movies? Just
0: Yeah, well, briefly. Well, well I sorta of wanted to segue because Charlotte O'Copley is in this mm-hmm. and uh, this week I al- I also saw um on the internet, um, VOD. Uh, I saw Europa Report, which, oh, nice. which uh, also has Charlotte O'Copley. And uh, I gotta say, I, I've seen, I've only seen now three movies of Charlotte Copley in them: the two Blomkamp films mm-hmm. and um, Europa Report. He plays a completely different character in all three of those films. Mm-hmm. I I I know he was in A Team a few years ago, but I didn't see that. <laughs> um, but I, I'd I'd love to see him do do more stuff because he seems just from the just from those three things, he seems he seems far more versatile than. Um, you would have known only seeing District 9. Yes. Um, but um, uh, I, I don't want to go for too long about it because I do want to get to the list and we're about oh. 30 minutes in. But uh, yeah, it's about um, it's about um, a, a group of astronauts who go on a space station <clears throat> to go on this um, two-year-long trip to, um, to uh, Europa, which is one of the moons of Jupiter, which is covered in ice and there's believed to be water underneath it. Um, and that's actually IRL in the real world. Yeah. you know, It's believed to have water yeah. underneath it. And, <clears throat> and um, what I love about this film, um, it is found footage. Uh, so you, you might and, – and, and, and the thing is it has every opportunity to be completely kitschy and be completely gimmicky. And mm-hmm. it almost never is. There's there's one one thing at the very end where I'm just like, uh, I didn't really need that. But um, – this film is so much of what I love about um, about about space films, nice. uh, and it's about the wonderment and the endless possibilities of exploration. And that's what I love about space films. That's what I love about um, films like 2001: Space Odyssey. Um, mm-hmm. I was gonna say it's what I love about Alien, but Alien isn't really about that. <laughs> um,
2: yeah, yeah A- Alien very claustrophobic. It's almost the it's opposite, which is which is so interesting.
0: Yeah, um, but. The, the majority of space films that I love are of, of that nature of uh, about exploration and about just um, the wonders of that. Mm-hmm. And in, in many ways, this is the kind of film that Prometheus should have been, mm. and, but instead ended up being kind of kind of rock 'em sock 'em robots. Mm-hmm. That's just sort of that's just sort of my name for mindless action movie. Rock-up yeah, robots. I think that's my new thing. For move,
2: especially for movies, I think that they're more heady, and they end up not being quite as yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, there was enough about Prometheus that I liked enough to uh-huh. like it, but uh-huh. it's it became a little laughable when it tried to be intellectual and just so so was not.
2: I hundred percent agree.
0: Um, but yeah, th- this is very much the kind of movie that. That that movie could have been, and on a much a much bigger budget as well, and much better, much bigger art design. Like uh, <clears throat> this is a very minimal movie. A lot of it takes place inside the space station, but uh, I think it's very effective. And I think if you know if you get a chance to see it, then I definitely think you should.
2: Most definitely, uh, it sounds good. I've heard about it otherwise, and then you just pretty much sold it to me. I, I need to give it a check. I need to check it out sometime soon.
0: Yeah,
2: um, on VOD today. I just watched uh, Prince Avalanche. Um, Oh,
0: I want to see that.
2: David Gordon Green's newest movie. Um, David Gordon Green is famous for starting off to be a very poetic indie filmmaker early in his career with George Washington and and other films that were just as critically acclaimed. Then he went over to the studio um, system and made Pineapple Express, which was funny. And then um, Your Highness (laughs) and The Sitter, which were... I have not seen but i've heard are significantly
0: less funny and pretty I will, terrible i will defend your highness to that's interesting days i nice. it is stupid as hell it is mm-hmm. mindless i also laughed my ass off the whole way through well, well I, and if you laugh
2: that's all you can ask for <laughs> for a comedy so yeah, yeah. No, no absolutely um it, it's good it's the first positive review that i've ever heard um but i will believe you um this is his return to being the quote-unquote indie filmmaker's movie. He made in secret with Paul Rudd and Emile Hirsch and is about two men who uh, put lines back onto a road after a huge fire in Texas, burnt down pretty much the entire community and woodland area. So now it's the next year where these two men and other people on other parts of the road, but this part of the road, just those two in, in the late 80s, are, are trying to put, uh, you know, put the lines back on the road, as it were. The movie itself very poetic. The characters are very simple, and I mean, I mean, what I mean by simple is they would fit into a broad comedy. Like they're, they both think they're smarter than they are. Emil Hirsch is significantly younger. He's playing Paul uh, Paul Rudd's characters. Uh, Paul Rudd plays Alvin, and uh, Emil Hirsch plays Lance. And there's actually a really funny joke at one point where Lance can't find Alvin, so he just yells, "Alvin!" And I was like, this is a, this really? is a chipmunks. This is a <laughs> reference. Like, but it's just pulled off so deadpan that it works. It's it's not like watching a CGI chipmunks movie. It's actually like a weird, absurd joke. And these care <laughs> and these characters. So you have Emil Hirsch, who's this simple-minded kid who thinks with his uh, libido. He wants to get the little man rubbed. It's all he want on the weekends is he wants to go back to the city, leave nature, because this is pretty much is a very nature-oriented. Um, space and it's very shot in a very malic poetic fashion but then you just have this guy who wants to go get laid on the weekends and you have Paul Rudd who's dating his his older sister um, the, the Alvin character and he thinks he's his big nature manly man and you find out that I mean he truly just gets emasculated as the film goes on and the and the younger character realizes how silly he's being so i mean it's a it's in a way it's a coming of age story with two adult men but who are so simple and have no self-awareness that they would fit in a will ferrell comedy almost or in like you know this is the end or something but that would have probably bothered me if the movie was handled with less grace it really does really is well directed and is interesting and is the alvin joke points to the absurdity to of a lot of it it's just weird it just has this weird tone that I appreciated because it felt unique and it kind of was going along with the themes of the story of almost like Walden. So it's like if Upstream Color was through the point of view of two um, man-childs, essentially. Wow. And it actually, I thought it, I laughed several times and mostly just left impressed. And I, I give it like a light eight. I, I would say that I overall I really enjoyed it. Um, I, I think it's a good film.
0: Yeah, I'm definitely definitely interested. I've heard I've heard a lot of great things. <clears throat> I'm definitely gonna definitely gonna watch it. Um. So so next we're gonna sort of talk about this controversy going on with a, a South Korean filmmaker by the name of Bong Joon Ho. Uh-huh. If um if you ever seen the Korean film The Host, that was uh it, it, it it's it's actually pretty popular across across the Pacific over here. Um, Not
2: the Stephanie Meyer adaptation.
0: No, no, not that. No, 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 no. No, 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 <laughs> The uh, South Korean monster movie, um, yes. the host, uh, which is, is fantastic. It but, is I, it is totally Yeah, yeah. You you, you you just saw that and Mother and yes. um, Mother is his most recent film is made in two thousand it, it was um you know, made in two thousand nine, it was I think it came out in America in twenty ten. Um, mm-hmm. it's it's just fantastic as well. Absolutely. Yeah, and uh, I I still have yet to see his first two films, but I've been planning on it. But the controversy is concerning uh, his new his newest film, A uh, Snow Piercer, which mm-hmm. was um, very recently released or it is about to be released in South Korea. Um, it, it it's mostly it's I've heard it's eighty percent of it is in English, and parts of it are in South Korean and part mm-hmm. or, or, or Korean. I'm sorry, South South Korean is not a language. It is a country. <laughs> Korean is a language. Once again, white people. Hashtag white people. Yes. Forgive name, us. Name world. of the name of the podcast. Hashtag white. Yes. <laughs> there <we> um, <laughs> um The Weinstein Company um, has uh, distribution rights for that film in um, many countries, including um, the US and or just North America as a whole. I think, or mm-hmm. probably just US. I don't know. That's all Our, English-speaking countries, I, I heard pretty much, and they're planning on severely, severely cutting this film to make it simpler for us. Basically, make it a dumbed-down action film. Because Specifically
2: for Midwesterners,
0: like yeah, Midwesterners. yeah, yeah, yeah. There was <laughs> yeah. Uh, apparently they they're concerned that simple folk in Iowa won't, won't understand this movie or or something or other, which you know. I I find that fairly offensive, but considering the, considering you actually live in the Midwest, that mm-hmm. might be even more offensive to you. It is. Yeah. Um, well, 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 I'm a smart SoCal resident, so I don't really give a shit what you think. <laughs> exactly. <clears throat> but I'm just pissed off because I, I won't be seeing – I mean unless I find, find a way to go around it, which I, I probably will. I'll probably, I probably will find a way to go around and see the actual version but I never thought I'd see myself like boycotting the release of a bong joon ho film because I really love the the movies of, I've seen of this guy and apparently this one is really great yeah um,
2: it actually seems like Elysium but better
0: really I I, I try so go- to not, I try to not know a whole lot about the plot of this. okay so
2: I mean I mean the basic trailer concept I, I won't go into any detail for you if you're trying to keep it a surprise for yourself but it seems like it has a lot of allegory in it which yeah, which is interesting, and
0: I know, on, I know it's on a train of some sort. Yes, and, and and it's like it's the Ice Age in the future. Oh well, all right, didn't see that coming. Yeah, I mean,
2: I, I mean, I, I think that's part of like the synopsis. It's not like halfway through the movie you find out twist. Um, but but yeah, um, I'm excited for it. I mean, I recently just based on this, I went on Netflix and watched um, the host and mother back-to-back back on the same day. And that was actually a fantastic thing to do because I got to see how fantastically this director deals with certain themes, like family. Um, and The Host is a silly monster movie, but he's completely aware of that the entire time
0: when he yeah, has Yeah, and... His... and uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I was just gonna... No, s- you're fine. I was gonna say, I think what you were about to say, you know, it's, it's a very family-oriented film, and mm-hmm. the... the there is, it's a splicing of a bunch of different things because it's a very silly monster movie. There's a lot of comedic elements, mm-hmm. but the, there's a lot of dramatic elements as well, just in, in terms of of the family. And you know, it becomes a very claustrophobic sci-fi movie at some points. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> one thing I love about that film is a lot of, um, well, not a lot of times, but sometimes it it feels like, um, how, I mean, I, I mean, this is basic. This is basically a natural disaster film, yes. kind of. Uh, a lot of the reactions that the country takes, uh, that South Korea takes, and just the world takes in general, kind of it, it kind of feels like, you know, Hurricane Katrina or SARS.
2: No, no, absolutely, and I mean, and the whole reason it happens is because of an American, <laughs> an American presence yeah. in Korea. So, so I mean, this movie had political allegory as well, but 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 every monster movie, like classic monster movie from like the yeah. '50s. Had political allegory. A lot of it. Yeah, Godzilla. Goes,
0: Godzilla exactly. was made from the atom bomb.
2: Exactly. I mean, I mean, that movie is incredibly political, and a lot of Japanese films at the time were. I mean, their direct response, may, maybe not always about the United States, but a lot of times just about how they have to react and how they have to um, c- come to terms with what happened after Hiroshima and Nagasaki. But but this film is similar because it's actually I I, I read that that actually there actually was a bunch of formaldehyde dumped into the river off a U.S. Wow. base. Um, and so he's playing with that idea of being uh, politically commenting on it, but also, but, but that's so to, this, to, the, to the side. The movie is totally just about this family who's kind of distant at times, but close. You have the, I mean, you, our, our, prote- our main character, um, who uh, uh, his name is, I have it right here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna drink Okakuchi this. Um, <laughs> uh, 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 Song King Ho um, is not the character I'm looking for. Well, the main character is, um, I mean, he he's kind of a simple guy. He's always sleeping, and his daughter hangs out with his father. And then you have the archer, <coughs> the archery played by Duna Bay, who I was like, that's the girl from Cloud Atlas, and I tweeted happily that, oh my god, Duna Bay's in this yeah. movie. I saw, fan- I,
0: saw, I saw her in this before I saw her in Cloud Atlas. Oh,
2: nice. So, so you, you probably had that connection when you saw Cloud Atlas. Yeah, yeah. yeah nice. I, was already,
0: I was really familiar with her.
2: And, and I was really excited to see her, and she does a good job in this movie. And the other brother also does a fantastic job. So you have this family of two brothers and sister, their father, and then one of the, the main characters' daughter. And it's just about how they are trying to go around and... <laughs> um, I just saw my Twitter. Um <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and, and they're going around trying to save the, the, the little girl who gets taken by the monster because they know she's alive. And the U.S. Pre- the US government and the Korean government are trying to keep these people... It, it, it goes back to SARS, like you're saying. You know, the government kind of doing scare tactic on the people. and But the movie is to- totally about the family and how they come together. And by the end, it's a semi-tragic and completely earned ending... But you still have that sense of accomplishment to a certain extent because the family came together, and it's the exact opposite. And well, but it, but also exactly the same from mother, which is uh, Bong's version of a thriller movie, like the revenge thriller, or where it's like a mystery where she um, a mother is trying to solve the, uh, whether or not her her mentally retarded or mentally handicapped son was actually murdered a girl and he goes to jail, and she's trying to solve it to see if he did it or not, because she totally believes he did not do it. And that film is very dark in comparison yeah. to the host. But it's also, again, about family. Like, how far are you willing to go for your family? And you find out that this woman, uh, fantastically uh, acted, is um, is willing to go to any length. Kim uh, Hyai-ja, uh, again, white people. Um, but <laughs> she does a she does a fantastic job. And there's these absurd moments where she's dancing in the wheat field and then the final shot I mean it's all shaky cam, but it's perfect on the bus. It's just perfect. It's just beautiful. That I mean, I think I mean um when we get to our lists, um, this movie I can because A V Club I read through theirs and they considered it's a twenty ten release, this will easily make yeah. my honorable mentions. Yeah. because um, it's mother. I would okay. say I liked it more than the host, even though I think both films are yeah, sure. fantastic both films are fantastic, and it's not it's not really fair to pick them against each other because I think um, uh, Bong Joon uh, Ho has proven himself to be extremely diverse, but he's always he shoots movie incredibly professionally. His action scenes in The Host are so flawlessly shot, like. The camera movements make sense you understand what's going on and when you don't understand like oh who just got eaten there? It's because you're you're, you're through the point of view of our main character so you're confused <clears throat> alongside him the director wants you to be confused at that moment like he's in control of his film and that's why he can switch from comedy to drama to horror with because he's just proven himself with, at least with these two films to be in control of every moment of his film almost hitchcockian and, and the way that he does it, I love it. I'm so excited for Snowpiercer, and I'll—I don't know if I'm going to wait for the director's cut yet, but I will in some way see this film because I'm okay. hoping it's just as good.
0: And with that, let's go into uh, the the main real topic of the of the of the, of the podcast: um, <laughs> our lists, or each of our individual lists of the best films of the 2010s so far, as in the last three years, basically. Mm-hmm. um how about i go first yes <clears throat> um <clears throat> well since uh we just finished talking about a south korean director by the name of Bong joon ho um my number my number 10 pick is also a south korean film uh it's from uh from the from director kim ji-woon and it's called i saw the devil um i saw the devil is is a story <sighs> fuck uh, i'm sorry i'm terrible at just i, I have to think of premises no, no. Before I see them, isn't. it's a it's a story of basically a murderous serial killer psychopath. Um, of course, I would like those in my movies. Who <laughs> who kills the um, to be wife of of uh, uh, a police officer. Um, well, well, he actually works for. He's actually a secret secret service agent, but he. This this man this agent he becomes determined to um you know track down the track down his killer and he tracks down the killer fairly early in the film and instead of killing him uh, the killer he chooses to slowly but surely break him um and it's it admittedly is one of those you know fight the monster too hard you'll become the monster yourself type of movies mm-hmm. and that that's definitely been done in both horror, both horror films and and uh, and action films, but this this film is so well done and it's so thoughtful. And don't get me wrong, it is plenty violent. The, this is not this is not a pleasant movie to watch, but the, there are moments of quietness, and there are also just fantastic sequences of just unbearable tension. Like it, it reminds me of the opening scene in in, in Inglorious Bastards. Where it feels like you're just stretching a rubber band so slowly, and you know at some point it's just gonna fucking pop. There's so many moments in this film like this, and <clears throat> the way it all turns out, just with the with the ending and everything, it it kind of disturbs me just to think about it. Um, this is one of the, is one of those films like Old Boy for me, which is one of my favorite, one of my favorite movies of all time. <clears throat> where it's not just a revenge movie. It it strips bare the the human soul and really shows the depravity of the human condition in in a way that I, I think is just masterful.
2: I have not seen it yet. I'm excited. I, I'm going to go through a mini South Korea yeah. marathon. Yeah, yeah, go soon. for it. Um, I'm going to see Old Boy finally in in Korean because I've only ever seen the dub and the Oh
0: is, no, no, fuck I that know, shit.
2: I know, so I know. So I would give it like a seven like just just based on like it was distracting so i, I don't fault the movie for that i fault the dubbing but, no, but, no. But, but 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 i'm excited to uh see old boy and also uh the film you just mentioned and some more uh, uh bong Jun ho movies i i'm yeah. just excited just to delve into because i've really enjoyed what i've seen so far okay and uh, let's keep going um, my 10th favorite movie is also a not-an-American movie, and I have multiple movies from the same nation, uh, nationality, in my list on my top 10. But it, this one's weird. Uh, directed by Iranian director Abbas Kiristami. this film is actually a more of a Western-European movie, certified copy. Um, it's starring um, Juliette Binoche, who's fantastic in everything she's ever been in, and also um, British uh, British opera singer, uh, William Chamel. And William Chamel plays an author who's doing a book signing in Italy. And Juliette Binoche is a French woman living in Italy who's a fan. And her job is to take him around Italy and show him the wonderful scenery. And they end up, in a way, falling in love throughout the film. They have these conversations but but as with any Kiarostami movie you realize that the characters are playing these roles and they're like play, they're at t- many times they pretend to be married when they discuss uh when, when they talk to strangers and they get pictures taken and they eat together and they drink together and it just it's a fantastic film that's just <coughs> infinitely fascinating it tr- it truly reminds me of a movie that may or may not appear later on my list uh, a, a trilogy that we have talked about before the before sunrise sunset and uh before midnight um it's very similar to that but it has this weird universal tone i mean it's from a it's from a iranian director made in italy starring a french and a british um uh main characters and the film is half in french half in english depending on who's leading the conversation essentially it's just it's a fascinating, incredibly beautiful film, and I can't recommend it enough. I think Certified Copy is one of the best movies of the last three years.
0: Yeah, and uh, it's on it's on Netflix Instant, isn't it? I th- I'm pretty yes. sure it is. Yeah, yes. I, I, I've been. It's one of those movies I've been planning on watching um, for quite a long time. Uh, I'm going to bring this into a slightly different territory. My number nine mm-hmm. pick, um, Bridesmaids. Ah, that's interesting. I like it. Yeah, really. Uh, I think one of the best comedies of the past few years. Not only, yes. not only because uh, I think it is exuberantly funny, but it really, I think it really subtly and really effectively examines um, real economic hardship and and failure. And it, it, the the main the main character played by Kristen Wiig, who also you know, co-wrote the film is, is put through a lot. It's put through so much that you, I, I've, I've never seen a comedy really take, really put this character, put a character through so much failure in a two hour running time. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it, it, it never quite becomes a black comedy, but it might as well be there. And I, I, I found that I found that to be quite subversive and um, uh, also Ma- Megan uh, Megan McCarthy is that her name? Melissa McCarthy. I'm sorry. Melissa McCarthy. Um, uh, um, obviously hilarious. I, I, I've been really dis- oh, yeah. I've been really disappointed with the way Hollywood has been treating her by putting her in you know identity thief and and uh, and hangover three and well yeah, <laughs> but she's just exuberantly talented. And I honestly think this is one of the one of the sharpest comedies I've seen in the past few years.
2: Oh, well, I'm I'm a big fan of bridesmaids. I think other than um, uh, this is the end, it's the only comedy I've seen in the last couple of years where I, I've consistently laughed. Yeah, um, I'm not I'm not a big fan of the Hangover franchise. First one was funny, but take it or take the first one or leave it even. But I mean, and, and I got enjoyment from other comedies like like horrible bosses it made me chuckle quite a bit. Yeah. Um, but but really I think Bridesmaids is on another level. I I, I am also a big fan.
0: Yeah. <laughs> My
2: number 8 is 9. 9, Nine thank you. Um it is a uh, it is a controversial film but only to people who are very sensitive because it's actually the director has always made always make controversial films that com- combine humor and black exploitation. Oh. And action and pulp aspects. It's I'm of course talking pulp about pulp is the keyword. It, it is the keyword. Django Unchained. Um, I love Django Unchained. Um, pretty much all of its two hours and 45 minutes for me are incredibly enjoyable. Um, last year was the year of the almost three hour movie, and of of most of the movies this is the one that went by the the quickest. It is enjoyable it is disturbing and it mixes those two things artfully i'm not going to say it's better in pulp fiction or glorious bastards but i will say it's my next favorite tarantino film after those two um i mean i'm also a big fan of course of reservoir dogs kill bill but i think that in django he really hits a sweet spot he has a fantastic cast samuel jackson is a really complicated character um as the quote-unquote house slave and one of the true villains of the film um leonardo dicaprio is fantastic
0: fantastic, fantastic.
2: When, whenever he cuts his hand in real life and still keeps going it just shows you that leonardo dicaprio will go as one of our underappreciated talents um i've always really enjoyed him and this might be one might be my favorite role he's done just he's just so yes. disturbing funny and hypocritical and stupid his character is so stupid that it just shows you how much power samuel L. Really? jackson's character has um and all, Wall- not
0: only stupid but just ignorant
2: Yes, ignorant is the better word. With, with his Francophile, like, oh, but don't speak French in front of him because <laughs> he doesn't speak French. Like, it's just, like, it's just, yes, ignorance is the perfect word. Um, uh, Jamie Foxx has proven to me to be, an like, the better version of Will Smith. I think... Ooh! I, 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 I like Will Smith, but I haven't seen him in a movie I've enjoyed no. in, in years. Yeah. No. While Jamie Foxx... I th- has done has has reached out of, of the box, and even when he does a biopic, the occasional biopic, um, it's he. I think he's more interesting. Like, I think Ray is more interesting than Ali, even though I don't think Ray is like the greatest movie ever. Of course.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: But um, and in Django, he's the perfect character. Like if Will Smith would have been in this film, that's why I make the comparison, not because they're charismatic black actors, but because they literally were cast as the same character. Will Smith's ego would have gotten away. the way. Jamie Foxx builds yeah. his ego through the film with the help of Tarantino and his own talent and just shows that he can. He's, he is he's an underappreciated actor. And then, of course, Christoph Waltz, who gives one of my p- favorite performances of last year. And people accuse him of being the same character. Yes, they're flamboyant. I cannot
0: stand that. I cannot stand it when people say that.
2: Both, both Hans Landa and Dr. King Schultz are charismatic Germans who are flamboyant. Otherwise, you have a cartoon character who is amazing and mind-blowing in the way he can switch languages and intimidate you and frighten you and Glorious Bastards. But you have an actual human being he's playing in Django. He's one of the most complex, interesting, and sympathetic characters in the film. He truly is one of the film's heroes. And I, and I think his, his presence in the script intimidated Will Smith away from the film.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I heard that um, <coughs> Will Smith was offered the role... And he, for some reason, he was under the impression that he wasn't the lead, Mm -hmm. so he didn't take it because he wasn't the lead. Apparently, even though the Django is in the title, uh, (laughs) nah, never mind. (laughs) Um, But that's all
2: I really have to say. I think this movie is is great. I love it.
0: Yeah, it's fantastic. It has, uh, I think, it 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 hits a couple of narrative uh, speed bumps. Mm-hmm. On the way out, but I, I really can't fault it that much. I really do think it's great. <clears throat> uh, mine number eight. Let me go back to the tab where I have this list. Uh, my number eight is um, the cabin in the woods. <laughs> I really Good couldn't. Time. I really couldn't keep this off my list, and um, it is really. Uh, I mean, uh, people call it a deconstruction of the horror of the horror genre and that's true but as someone who's a massive horror fan and who has just had a, had a watch while this this great genre just goes through just so so much goes through torture porn goes through horrible remakes after horrible remake um, this film I mean I mean people call it a game changer and that's true this the, the word game changer is so unbelievably overused It almost doesn't it almost doesn't mean anything anymore unless, but this, unless you're 2001
2: you don't get to call your, or citizen Kane. you don't get to call yourself that
0: yeah but the thing is this film in, in terms of in, in terms of horror it actually calls for the game to be changed and that's mm-hmm. why i feel that that is deserved and uh uh, and, and of course, I uh, you know I really, I really, I really like Joss Whedon, and, um, his dialogue is as is as rich as ever. I mean, uh, th- this film had a few of the best, a few a few of the, the funniest scenes of any film uh, released last year, in my opinion. It yeah, was the
2: best comedy of the year.
0: Yeah, <sighs> kind of. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, well, that and Django were literally the two movies I cited as the only movies I laughed throughout last year. So. Yeah. The way Joss Whedon writes his characters, you can get, like, such a little glimpse of them, like, not spend that much time with them, and still and still feel them as, as, as maybe not a fully three-dimensional realized character, but you know that there's something there. You know that that person is far more interesting than maybe the movie allows you to spend time with them would, you know, indicate. Like, um... Uh, one, one of the examples is Chris Hemsworth, um, that 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 is named the Thor guy. Mm-hmm. He uh, he he plays he plays a jock, but he's talking about. Uh, I think earlier in the movie he's talking about. Um, that, well, well, he's a he's a made he has he majors in statistics I think. Mm, yeah. But he has this jockey veneer, but he he talks very intelligently and not at all like you know like a jock,
2: like and a and.
0: Yeah. And and um and he's the athlete in this film. Let's escape it there. And he and his girlfriend, who is I think the whore, in quotes. Uh-huh. Is and um and she's far she is far smarter than than uh, people would let on. And my favorite character in the movie is the character played by Fran Kranz, who mm-hmm. is the fool. Yes. Um and, and he's he ends up being far more um, far more complex and far more important than you, than you would know from from the beginning. Uh, I I just love this movie. I I think I think there's so much replay value. I, I've seen it about uh, three or four times at this point. Uh, I think it's just fantastic.
2: Oh, I, I'm in complete agreement. Uh, I have some close friends who are huge horror movie fans, and um, and they don't like it. It, it. But but for them is. Is I think they almost don't want to see their their genre lampooned in that way, like yeah, and and I think they're bigger fans of like this like the first few Saw movies. than I'll defend the, the
0: first I'll defend the first Saw movie, but after that you're on your own.
2: Yeah, um, I, um, but I, I don't think that they appreciate. They did not like the third act. they, they like the concept, but they don't think it was executed well. I disagree. I, I I'm oh, like no. I think
0: I it was mean, executed fantastically. I,
2: um, the the chaos is the form fits function. That's always my big um, my big thing. When I'm watching a movie, if someone says it's sloppy, I'm like, well, is it meant to be? It's it's not even sloppy. It's chaotic because that's exactly what's happening when when this twist happens, quote unquote, in the movie.
0: Well, it's and beautiful, I have to say it's, it's beautiful chaos. Yes,
2: and and, and I mean the, the one of the greatest images of any movie last year was the big board where people were placing bets. On which <laughs> monsters? I mean, it's just—it's such an iconic. I think it. I'm not the biggest horror fan. I'm quite ignorant on the genre, but I have to say that that has to be some sort of iconic future image in horror, at least in in, in what that movie's trying to accomplish. Just because it's so funny and there's so many so tr- clever monsters on there.
0: Yeah, it's so it's so true in so many ways, and you know, I, I've also heard people call this a call this an Evil Dead ripoff, which. I mean that grinds that my gears even more It, 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 it it's, it's more of an homage It's super indebted to Evil Dead No shit Some of his most horror movies Out there mm-hmm. God it, I don't even want to think about it It just pisses me off so much Okay um, moving on Well my
2: number 8 is going to make you cry It's going to make the whole world cry Because my number 8 is Michael Hanukkah's Amor
0: this... And the world
2: did cry it did. This movie is beautiful. Um, I w- I'm looking up now my list. Other than maybe the look of certain movies on the rest of my list might be more beautiful, but there is not a movie more beautiful in its depiction of love and death than this film on my list, in my opinion. Um, it, Michael Hanukkah will frame a shot and stick there forever for an uncomfortably long time and just make you get sucked into the story of these two elderly, um, uh, fr- uh a French couple played wonderfully by Emmanuel Riva and Jean-Louis Trignan. And they flawlessly execute this plot of a woman who has a stroke and a man who needs to take care of her. And in the end, he has a difficult choice to make. And it's heartbreaking and heartfelt and compared to the rest of, I mean, I'm have I've been a big Hanukkah fan. I haven't seen a lot of I haven't seen as more a lot of as more controversial films though. Um, I I love the the black and white cinematography and the nihilistic look on um, mob mentality of White Ribbon. I love uh, cachet and the mystery of it and the guilt that our the protagonist Julia Benoche's is in that one as well. Going back to serve by Copy. And I love the piano teacher for the for the, the pain that that character inflicts upon herself and others, and the, how much she hates the world. But this film is completely different. This film is called Love, and I think of any movie I've ever seen, it earns its title. Um, yeah. more is the second highest film from last year that's on my list, and it's my it's it's become my second favorite uh, film of last year.
0: I'm a huge fan. Yeah. It um w- one thing I just love about it more is that it, it really it's one of the first films I've seen really ever that tackles the issue of what when when you have to deal with what Emmanuel Rivera's character has to deal with mm-hmm. um, should you even bother going on living
2: Yeah, I mean, I mean she it,
0: she, it, she communicates quite a few times in the film that I I don't want to deal with this I'd rather just go
2: M- Michael Hanukkah's aunt. Uh, this is why he made the film once I asked him please kill me um, because she was in a lot of pain she was dying and Michael hanukkah couldn't do it and Michael hanukkah says this is the most complex feeling like it, it, it he just con- communicated it you know through translation just as it was just it just and it was heartbreaking for him to have to be asked to do that it's so difficult I mean I mean this movie is not a date movie. Um it's, <laughs> This movie is not a movie to watch with your grandparents. Um, it is There's a time and place for a movie like this. So if someone hated it, I would be like, give it another shot. But if it doesn't end up being for you, so be it. But I just cannot get over the fact that this movie is beautiful and is completely humane and just wonderful.
0: Yeah, it, it, is, uh, it is the most human film I think Hanukkah has ever made. Absolutely. Easily. Yeah. Um, my number eight... No, my number seven... Uh mm-hmm. we're, we're on number 7 now. My number 7 is um The Social Network. <laughs> it's pr- pretty much w- one of the most popular movies from 2010. The one that really should have got the Best Picture Oscar. Indeed. In fucking deed. Um The Social Network is pretty much one of the most entertaining sort of business legal thrillers of the past few years. That that's how I look at it. Mhm. Um I I don't think it quite delves too deeply into how Facebook has changed the way we communicate as Mm -hmm. much as a lot of people do. Like a lot of people think it's this grand societal statement. I don't really look at it that way. But I think it is just marvelously entertaining. And um, Aaron Sorkin, God bless him.
2: God Mm -hmm. bless
0: him. I I really like uh, West Wing. I really like the newsroom. This is probably the best thing I've, I've heard him write. Um, the, the score from Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross is, once again, fantastic. And um, Jesse Eisenberg, who I, I've loved for quite a while, significantly before you know I, I, I first saw The Squid and the Whale. And I really liked him in that. And I've been following what he's been doing. And it's really great to see that he just blew up after this movie because it's, it's a fantastic performance. And um, David Fincher, I'd probably put this behind Seven and Zodiac. But not that far behind. I really that's the,
2: that, that's the trinity it. of his work, though. Yeah. Um, uh, I have a question for you. I'm not going to talk about the film because I may or may not talk about it soon. Ooh. Um, but, spoiler alert, um, well, did you ever see Moneyball? Yeah,
0: yeah, I, I wasn't into it. Okay. Um, uh, I, I enjoyed it. Um,
2: uh, Sorkin worked on that screenplay as well.
0: With, yeah, I, I, I couldn't tell. <laughs> to yeah. be honest. Yeah.
2: Um, I, I'm a fan, but it wasn't my favorite uh, film of 2011. Yes, it was 2011. Yeah. But 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 I am I like Bennett Miller's film. I like that and Capote quite a bit, and I really liked um, the cast. But 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 I could see the 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 mehness of that someone see in it. But I was just curious because because you mentioned Sorkin.
0: Yeah. Um. Was <laughs> it was that was that all you gonna say on it?
2: Oh yeah, because I, I'll, <laughs> I'll talk about the Social Network soon.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah, Spoiler alert.
2: Okay. <laughs> uh, my number seven is the only 2013 film on my list. Ooh. And it came out about May, and it is Richard Linklater's Before Midnight. Um. Yes, the, the, the film is fantastic. It it you know, given more time, it's probably going to rise on my list. Um. Yeah. But it, 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 it's so new, I didn't want to put it at, like, number three or something. Um, but it's just, it's fantastic. It is, the, the first movie of this trilogy, I, I've already talked about this on the podcast, but the first movie is such a fairy tale and the best kind of fairy tale because you totally get invested characters. The second film is the your second chance, and it's still, again, just executed perfectly, but this film is the reality after the fairy tale, Yeah, the, ha- the hangover. But it never goes so far where you hate this film because what it's done to your characters. You look at it as the next logical progression, and it's just Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy are so good. I mean, they deserve Oscar nominations for writing and acting, and I don't know if they're gonna yeah. get that this year because this film's so small. It actually didn't do it, it didn't do very well. After inflation, it did worse in the box office than before Sunset, which surprised me because I think this is better than Before Sunset, but maybe if you get some Oscar nominations cross my fingers only for the fact that maybe more people get to see this film. Um, cause it is, I, I think it should be required viewing for people in serious relationships because <laughs> it, 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 if, if you look at the world romantically, eventually it's going to bite you in the butt. And these characters are facing reality and they're fighting and they're joking. And they're again, just them walking around, having conversations is just wonderful. And when they sit down and have to deal with reality in that that small hotel room, it's just becomes so claustrophobic. And Richard Linklater has again, I'm talking about complete control of his film. He knows exactly what he's doing. This film is, is for all intents and purposes a masterpiece.
0: Yeah, um, Richard Linklater. I mean, he just cre- he he's, he's really one of my favorite directors, and he mm-hmm. makes such hum- human films. Mm-hmm. makes such great human stories. And <clears throat> I I wish if he could keep the quality up I I love I love to see him pull a Woody Allen and just release a movie every year. Yeah because, because I I just I just love I love his films.
2: And if he can keep up the quality, I'd love to see Before Time or Before <laughs> Yesterday Morning and in yeah. in well, 2022. 20, well,
0: even if even if he finishes here, I I would be okay with it.
2: I, w- I would as well.
0: This know, uh, this I, ends on just the perfect note, I think.
2: I'm happy either way. End it here. Yeah. Or, I'm not going to complain if you give me another one, because the, because like the Toy Story movies, and one of those
0: are going to make my honorable mentions, Ooh. Um, um, these movies get better as they go. I, I was um, sort of debating on whether to put this on my list, but I didn't uh, for two reasons. One, I already have a 2013 film on my list, and you'll see what that is. Nice. And uh, and two... Um, I, I want to see it again. Mm-hmm. I want I want to see it again to be completely certain. But I I know it, I, it's definitely going to make my year list. Mm-hmm. No, no no question about that. Yeah it's just fantastic. It is. Um my number my number six pick probably is going to come to a surprise for for you because you know my list mm-hmm. for the year and uh, the, the, this will be surprising. Um the perks of being a wallflower. Interesting. Um. This is a film that actually kind of gets me a little verklempt just thinking about it, um, because the the first time I saw it, I I thought, wow, this is this is just a this is a really good this is a great you know teen movie a like high school movie. By the time I saw it again, which actually wasn't until after I made my list for the best films of 2012, to which I put this in honorable mentions. By the time I saw it again, and I've now seen it you know two more times since the first time. Um, I, I realize that it's something much, much greater than that. Um, this film, there, there are just these pockets of just stark, beautiful intimacy between these characters, and and there, bec- there, comes a point in this film where it takes an extremely dark turn. Yes, absolutely. That you, that you don't, that you don't expect. It just shell shocks you, and. I'm, and by the end of it, it it becomes so hopeful but still remaining in the sphere of reality i think this i think this I, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you this film really in some way tackle tackles sort of a side of mental illness and it it really you can say it comes out of nowhere but just comes at, it comes out at, at a complete surprise and I say this film tackles tackles that issue of mental illness with so much more reality and so much more subtlety than a film like *Silver Linings Playbook*, for example, which was super, super Hollywood. It was. I, I like Silver, Silver, *Silver Linings*. Super, but, super Weinstein Company.
2: Yeah, I like *Silver Linings*, but there's no doubt that *Perks*. I think *Perks of Being a Wallflower* is just a better movie for exactly what you're saying.
0: Yeah, and. I I mean, the main character, he he has this tremendous arc. But uh, I thought – fuck, I'm I'm blanking on his name. I need a Wikipedia to make sure I get it right. The (sighs) actor or the character? Uh, Hold on. But uh, I think my favorite guy in the film is probably Ezra Miller. Oh, absolutely. I think probably should have gotten an Oscar nomination of some sort. Have you ever seen
2: uh, hit, uh, Kevin when you talk about? Yeah, parents?
0: yeah, I wasn't I wasn't a huge fan of the movie, but I thought he was fantastic in it. And to see some, him see him do something like this, where he's you know he's um, very loud and very out there and very he, he's pretty flamboyant. I mean, he's he, his character is openly gay. Mm-hmm. But there's also he he, he uh, there's there's a romantic connection he makes with someone else in the end. Mm-hmm. That is, and that has its own layer of tragedy. And when and when that happens, is very it, it is very heartbreaking in and of itself. I mean, this is one this is one of the I don't want to say this is one of the darkest teen movies I've ever made I've ever seen, but it's it hits on so many real issues for me, and it, it's 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 very relevant to me and to my life as someone who's had mental 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 illness and very various sectors of my life and he was dealt with let's just say a lot of the same things that a lot of these characters are dealing with I, I i think this film is is just unbelievably great and i think it i think it's going to have a life outside of just the people who saw it on its release i think that you know it's going to be a film that people are going to remember
2: i i, I agree um have you read the book
0: no i
2: no i haven't i was just wondering because i um, i think it's a great argument for allowing the author to write and direct his own film because uh, Stephen steven chbosky probably mispronounced yeah. he is white but he still has an awesomely weird name and i don't know how to say it um but uh steven chbosky i'm assuming fantastic direction of this film also great use of a david bowie song <laughs>
0: Yeah, so, yeah.
2: But I completely agree. The the, the the complexities of the characters, the and it does feel real to life. It doesn't feel like a documentary, though, which I think it, it keeps no. it dramatized, but yeah. it doesn't keep it from feeling less real.
0: Yeah. Like I said, I, I, I get emotional just thinking about this movie, so let's move on.
2: Um, I will say, um, I'm looking at the IMDb, it is literally rated um, 250 in the top 250. What?! Yes, literally. Oh my, sh-
0: oh my shit. Oh my it's shit. An 8- I mean, it,
2: once you get above an 8, you start getting ra- uh, ranked and it's an 8.1. I think I'm going to raise my ranking from an 8 to a 9 just to help it out.
0: Do it. Do it, man.
2: Totally did because Because I, I mean, that movie grows on me as well. Like the first time I saw it, it's an 8 movie. It's really good coming of age. If not one of the best I've seen. Great high school film. But um, it, it, I do appreciate it the more I think about it I've only ever seen it the first time But it's a movie that does stick with me It doesn't just go out in one ear and out the other As, as it's, Yeah, I yeah. Um, Number six I, I'm not going to get off the sad topics and I apologize It is the other Iranian film I was alluding to earlier Oscar Farhadi's A Separation Which is actually an Iranian film it takes place in Iran and deals with Iranian culture but it is a fantastic look on a husband and a wife separating and getting divorced and dealing with uh, c- the custody of their child but it also deals with class cuz there's also the babysitter and this complex and the and then the main character the protagonist is father who's who had a stroke and he's ill and it's just the, the diff- every character in this film has motivation no character is evil no character is perfect and it just is, of all the films on my list, is the most realistic. I mean, Amor and Before Midnight and Certified Copy have a lot of humanism in them. Django's not realistic, but, <laughs> but that's besides the point. And the films coming next, a lot of them are very stylized for me. But this is the most realistic movie of the last three years, in my opinion. And again, it doesn't feel like a documentary. It truly is a dramatized look of complex human relations. And you see the, how much the father loves their... Uh, loves her child and it's weird i was thinking about this movie also because for yesterday for the first time i watched kramer versus kramer from 1979 with meryl streep and dustin hoffman yeah and ag- and again that's a movie that doesn't take sides i mean the, the people i like the least i movie are the lawyers <laughs> which everyone hates lawyers right i mean <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but i mean i kid but but i mean but that's another way you look at dustin hoffman meryl streep and you side with Dustin Hoffman because unlike a separation, he's more your main character, and you see him much more in Kramer versus Kramer. And but you still understand Meryl Streep's need to find herself and then want to be with her child again at the end, or, or um, as that court drama ensues. This film is not a court drama; it's mo- it's a family drama. It avoids yeah. uh, until the very end. It avoids the whole courtroom thing. And unlike Kramer versus Kramer, which is um, it which deals specifically with the women's liberation movement in subtle ways. This film is dealing completely with Iranian culture. And maybe with Iranian women liberation a little bit, but it is a fair look at the culture. Now it's an upper class look. I bet if you a poor Iranian was to see this film, just like poor Americans are like, hey look, Woody Allen or or the show girls or you know, people may say, Oh, it's about a bunch of rich white people in the city. This movie, um, I've heard some pe- like some people Iranian critics say things like that. Um, I've read in translation, of course.
0: I, didn't, I can't read Iranian or Arabic. Well, but, the um, two well the two families are from opposite social s- yes. ends. Well, one of them is fairly middle to upper class, and the other one is um, significantly, you know, middle to lower class.
2: Exactly, and the two films or the two families have have their needs. They both have specific needs, and they come, and that's where the conflict breeds. And it's just so naturally bred in this film just because it's basically just real-life conflict that you can understand it, uh, people can identify with it from any culture. But I just love the look into the Iranian society here, and I love the way that this film's constructed. I'm excited for his new film. that It's French with Bernice Beho from The Artist. Oh, wow. Um, it's called The Past. It's coming out this year. It's a French film. Uh, I'm excited for it. Yeah, written and directed by Oscar Farhadi and I, I am most definitely anticipating that, but a separation I, I love. It's a fantastic film.
0: Absolutely. My number my number five, uh, Leos Carax's holy motors. Ooh, nice pick. Yeah. Um the first thing I think of when I think about this movie is Denny Levant. Mm-hmm. He there is no one who gave a better performance last year than him, with the exception of maybe Emmanuel Riva. The, this guy, how many actors have the kind of range that this guy does? I mean, he plays technically he plays one person, but he really plays nine, nine or ten characters, all of them so distinctly different from each other. Just in in the kind of kinds of shit he has to do. Um, there, there's one one segment of the film he's in like one of those 3D um, motion capture. Things and he's performing martial arts, and it has to be him. But they don't cut away at all mm-hmm. from when he puts on the suit, and uh, well, well, well. The plot of the holy of holy motors. I mean, this is not a movie that really lives or dies by the plot. <laughs> um, but it it could sort of be allegorical about the film industry. Um, it's basically about this <sighs> that. <laughs> This guy who seems like a business, like a, like a businessman or some mm-hmm. sort of business tycoon at the start of the film, but he, he's driving around in this limo, um, and he go he goes to different sections of the city to basically, uh, I don't want to say perform for as different people, but really it's almost like he, it's almost almost like he's moving from different realities. It's like mm-hmm. nine different things, and you know they're called assignments. And he's given a file with information. And he is, is the limo is basically a dressing room. Uh, it has all sorts of props and costumes in it, and it's it's a it's a dark it's a dark movie, but it, you know sometimes very darkly funny. But it's also quite whimsical at, mm-hmm. at some points. And and this film, you know, it has such a love for cinema, and there are there are these moments of, of just great cinematic joy and just uh, i don't know man I, I i think about this movie all all the time and there's no way i could have kept it off this list
2: it's a fantastic movie um it's really unlike my,
0: anything i've ever seen in
2: my life which ostracizes a lot of people but for me makes it just so fascinating like the i mean my favorite parts of the movie are the it, number one is, is is the is the interlude, the uh, the accordion cover. Oh my god, I love that. Dun, dun. Yes, that, that's just like it's probably my favorite cinematic moment of last year, um, if not at least top five. Um, yeah. I love the um, uh, Kylie Minogue. It's a Kylie Minogue. Kylie Minogue. Oh, the, yeah. Yeah, I I love her song. I it's think so that, poignant. I
0: think, it it, it yes. just it's, it exemplifies the whole film.
2: And of course, the other cool. truly memorable moment: strange leprechaun creature. yeah um. naked with a prosthetic penis i'm assuming that they blur out of all streaming american releases of this film and not in theaters though (laughs) oh not in theaters i saw it in the theater and uh, it's right there yeah it's right in your face um but but that that whole beauty and the beast uh storyline that just it's just it just sticks with me i think of it all the time yeah fantastic film yep my number five is um we, we talked about it a little bit last time actually it's nicholas winding Refn's drive okay um it is this and a separation are i think are tied for fifth place and i probably could have switched them and i would have still been happy with my results um just just, just because i mean they both came out the same year and even when i was putting together my list of that year i couldn't pick which was my number two movie of the year like just because I like them for completely different reasons, there I don't think there are two more different movies in existence. Uh, because <laughs> Drive is is a comment uh, I talked about last time about masculinity, about being a you know a hero, real human being, la di da. Um, but just everything in this movie is so stylized that is gorgeous. First off, just on the the very simple level, it's gorgeous to watch. Yeah. Even the violence is shot with the precision of ballet like it's just it's just so immediate it hits you in the gut on the visceral level and you have great performances from albert brooks um you have a a, a funny but good performance from ron perlman and of course ryan gosling in his first and best near silent performance of the other (laughs) movies we were talking last time about him playing that same role this is the best time he's done it um just because he's, co- I mean, Roger Ebert put it as it the best performance of that year, and I, I would probably agree, and probably missing something really obvious from 2011. Um, but I like it more than the than the actual silent performance by Jean Dujardin, which I enjoy. But it's it's it's, it's it is what it is. Yeah, it, it is a bit. Um, it's it's an overrated movie. Yeah, it is. It's 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 a fun movie. I like it, but I don't love it at all. Yeah. Um, uh, it's better than, um, I like The Descendants, but I like it more in Clooney's performance. It's just, um, maybe Michael Shannon from Take Shelter is the only one oh, that yeah. even rivals it. Because um, it's just, it sucks you in. He kind of becomes you in a way in that film. Um, and it is like a keystone into the movie. And yes, there's all these iconic moments. Like on Parks and Rec, you'll have Aziz Ansari wear a scorpion jacket. So it's <laughs> like infinitely memeable. But it's also, I think, earns every bit of its weird, cheesy 80-nesses. It's, com- it's references to John Hughes films and also um, the original Steve McQueen kind of driver aspect. And it's you know, it has this weird um, look at you know machismo where you have these Jewish characters in Ron Perlman and Albert Brooks that want to be gangsters. So like he literally owns a pizzeria to be a movie cliche. Like it's just speaking <laughs> on all these movie cliches. Like oh you're the bad guy in this movie you have to own a pizzeria. <laughs> like it's just I just I think Reffin is hilarious, but he he's never makes his jokes too obvious. Which but he also does take it seriously. He is obsessed with being a man. He's obsessed with violence, and he can't get he's like Tarantino in that regard. But still um, the worlds that he makes. Um, I'm probably a bigger fan than most, but I think Drive will probably end up by the end of his career being his best film, and I think that's okay.
0: I'm just going to say we're not going to end with that stupid song again. <laughs> we did that one week, and I think we got that out of our system. Exactly. Uh, we're on number four now, aren't we? Uh, yes, number four. Uh, my, my number four is uh, a, a film that was previously on your list, Askar for Hotties, A Separation. Ooh, High five! <laughs> I just hit my computer monitor. I hope it's okay. <laughs> uh, well, it's just a laptop. It's yeah, no, big, no biggie. Um, uh, this film is such a moral conundrum. You know, we we meant we talked about it a little bit earlier. A little bit earlier. Um, one one thing about it is that none of the one one thing I noticed is that none of the parties involved. ...are Willing to admit that they're wrong, That's even great. though there's really no one in the situation that is right. Mm-hmm. Um, and the when eventual, I don't want to say twists, but just mysteries or uh, w- w- when eventual things get revealed, it becomes so much more uh complex but also clear who is sort of in the wrong, yeah. Um <laughs> But it, it it never really halts your sympathy for those characters and your understanding of their humanity. And there's also, you know, the, this undercurrent of religion in the film. Obviously, Iran is one of the s- strictest countries on religion. It's, specific, it, it, it's under Sharia law, you know, just to put it out there. And, you know, one of the families is extremely, extremely strict about religion. And the other family seems to be sort of a little more secular. Um, they don't really put out and say that, but they don't—they don't necessarily live their life by their religion. It seems. And that like
2: would be the upper living. class family, the one that's having a separation.
0: Yeah, okay. the one that is in the separation. Yes, but you know, a, a separation obviously can <laughs> can Im- imply for a lot of of this film. There are a lot of things that are separated from another. Oh yeah, I
2: mean, I mean, it, this is going to sound really silly, but I think the title is incredibly important just because it's course, a separation and not the separation,
0: implying that there's multiple. There are there are multiple separations.
2: Yes, yes. <laughs> and the separations would be a terrible title.
0: <laughs> Much like in drive, there are multiple. Yes. Drives.
2: <laughs> oh! Yes. Absolutely.
0: Okay, Let, let's move on.
2: <laughs> um uh, are we moving on to my number four
0: yeah yeah you're number four
2: okay yes yeah, so the separation fantastic my number four might be surprising no i i think you know i'm a big fan of this director it's the, i'm looking at this and other than django being a western and drive being an action movie no I'll, drives an art house movie um this is the only genre movie really on my list and it kind of surprises me because it's always that's been my entrance into film in the first place I'm just really liking um, for, you know, science fiction and fantasy and yeah. superheroes. But yeah, Christopher Nolan's Inception. Um, not, not
0: surprising at all.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know I'm a huge Christopher Nolan fan. Yeah, and, I, yeah, I, I, and so am I. I don't know if other people um, who've listened to the blog realize that um, he has a lot of backlash. Uh, partly a lot of people really disappointed with The Dark Knight Rises. And um, you and I, have, again, have had extensive debates on the film. But um, I don't
0: see a whole lot of people go- going at him otherwise, though. Like,
2: um, I follow on Twitter a lot of cinephile, like really high art cinephiles, and they just pretty much, not, not all of them, like um, th- there are specific ones who truly see Christopher Nolan as the best mainstream filmmaker at giving information to the audience and making an art out of, of um, exposition. Like, Inception is 100% characters telling you how things work. And the film does it so artfully. It's, it's like um, I remember the the IndieWire, the website, had a review of this film when it first came out. It said it's the most expensive art house movie ever made
0: because yes. it has
2: these, it has these weird fascinations on dreams and this, and it also kind of puts it into. I mean, if Christopher Nolan never gets to make a James Bond movie, this is the closest he's going to get. And it's, you know, only other one that could ever rival it because I'm not. I, I've seen quite a bit now at post. I've, uh, Skyfall. I've gone back and watched a lot of, the, and even all the best ones. Skyfall is easily my favorite because it, um, it truly takes yeah. that genre into and a, like a weird, almost Christopher Nolan conclusion. So you know, Skyfall can be a, one extension of if Christopher Nolan did it, it would have been like this, and probably wouldn't have even been as good because I think Sam Mendes just did amazing.
0: Well, Skyfall um, but, also, be, oh, Skyfall becomes a western at the end of it. Kind of. That's a
2: good, that's a great point.
0: And, which is awesome. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, it becomes,
2: it also, I mean, Sam Peckinpah is one of the most famous Western directors ever. He did a uh, the wild bunch, but it, it's like, it's like straw dogs a little bit protecting the house. Um, yeah. Which is, it, that, that's not a Western, but it's still from a Western director with a Western mindset. So it's <laughs> We're really going
0: off of inception. Oh,
2: I know. But inception is like, it, I mean, it's a spy movie. It's a heist movie. It's a, it's heist a science from inside it, the mind. Oh, absolutely! Exactly. It's a science fiction movie. It's an art movie. It's a it's a movie about getting over the, the loss of a loved one and wanting to reunite with your children. And I just love Leonardo DiCaprio. I'm not going to say that this is the best performance I've ever seen, but I totally go with his character in this film. And he's just yeah. exactly the kind of character. This like you know almost like Cary Grant from Hitchcock films, or Jimmy Stewart. Kind of like a like well more Jimmy Stewart. I, I mean, it mean, kind of makes me think of uh, like the Vertigo Rear Window hero a bit, where he is just he's so obsessed. Yeah. He's just absolutely so obsessed with this, and you but you still go with him. You still want to follow this protagonist as he tries to do this heist to implant an idea to into, into, is it Cillian or Killian Murphy? Because recently uh. I heard it was Killian. It's kind of like Ralph versus Rafe Finds. I recently found out I've been mispronouncing it um i don't know okay well i'll say killian murphy
0: because that's what i heard recently the Killian thing, Murphy's. Hmm? well i was gonna say, say something about about inception oh yeah absolutely well i was gonna say um the if nothing else this movie is a tremendous device um mm-hmm. to, just a tremendous machine creation and that's what some people sort of um uh pick at it for like yes. it's it's emotionless which i actually think is totally untrue um yeah. But it's just a machine; it's working the cogs. But even if you view it that way, it is just magnificent. Because, <clears throat> I mean, I, I mean, you have like four different planes of existence. Um, each of them working at the same time frame, but in one form, you know, in seconds, one in minutes, hours, days, even years. At some level, I mean, just thinking about this movie just kind of gives me just kind of hurts my brain a little bit. Yeah. It, it um
2: it it does it so well. I mean, out of all the movies on my list, this is the one that like you know you're just like staring at and your mind just goes to mush. Not because it's terribly written, because it's not. I love the screenplay for this movie. It's so original, but just because it is so spectacular to look at. I saw it in theaters over four or five times. Like it just I kept oh, wow. going back. I mean, I, I was already I was pumped for it. Um, I remember like you know coming off the Dark Knight, which is you know. Um, one, which is my favorite superhero movie ever. Um, it's also one of my—it's also one of my favorite crime movies. Um, but just coming off that, I was so pumped. I've always been a fan. Like I love Prestige. Um, I love Memento. Um, I mean, Insomnia and and Following are okay, and Batman Begins is a, is is, pre, is pretty good. But just after Batman Begins, he really hit a stride. And this movie, I mean, to many would view it as the culmination of his stride. If if The Dark Knight Rises is truly viewed as a misstep. It is a just. It's fantastic to look at. It's a and it, and and here is the last thing I'll say about it, and this is my argument against people who think it's just a special effects feature. Christopher Nolan, every opportunity he had, he would use a practical effect over a computer
0: yes effect. Every, especially especially like, the Joseph the Joseph Gordon Levitt sequence,
2: which is the best sequence to watch in the film. It's so of fantastic. And it, it, it's a spinning room, and they're connected on wires. Like Christopher Nolan truly believes that that's why he doesn't want to use 3D. That's why he doesn't want to do that because he wants it to look more real, and he doesn't think 3D is good enough yet. Of course not. I mean, I mean, I, I only disagree because I think it's helped movies like Life of Pi. But 99%, we've talked about this in the podcast. 99% yeah. of if, if it's post converted, I'm not going to see it. I'm no. not paying the extra money for that crap yes inception a technical achievement and i think it's a, a, with you a highly emotionally rewarding achievement I, and again we've also talked about this Han, this is hans zimmer's score this is the one where he just got everything right we make fun of it because every trailer ever uses the brong of oh, like the,
0: this is so is so the best Han Zimmer score i've heard
2: oh yes this is the end um is fantastic uh, i love inception it's great
0: also johnny marr Yes, he's um, magic fairy nest. My number three, uh, this should probably come to no surprise to you, um, uh, Beasts of the Southern Wild. Awesome. Uh, look, the this movie, it doesn't have a... I wouldn't say it has super... Uh, I wouldn't say it has a whole bunch of backlash, but it has significant backlash, because these characters are definitely, no, unquestionably in great poverty. Mm-hmm. Um, and... A lot of people have issues with the way that the entire film is viewed from a child a child's point of view, uh, mm-hmm. spe- specifically and wonderful, pl- wonderful, pl- wonderfully played by um, Kevin Zane Wallace. Love uh-huh. it. I'm not sure if I even can close to spell the pronouncing that right, but <laughs> anyway, um, but this movie I'm just overtaken taken by it because. You know, uh, Ben Zeitlin, mm-hmm. who, who's a director, he crafts this world that is kind of on our world, but seems so far removed from that, you, you would probably think that this is a fantasy or a science fiction until they get to a hospital later in the film. Then you, that's when you realize, oh, wait, maybe this actually takes place on planet Earth, but sort of this magical uh, version of that, I'm, I'm not even sure, but, uh, even though the many of these characters live in such great poverty and, and in such deplorable conditions and that's never really something that changes throughout the film even at the end they have such a love for life and just a a, a joy and a, and a happiness even if it's an ignorant happiness it's still a happiness and i find that very moving and I, I don't agree with a lot of the characters' motivations. I, I would not be as dedicated to their land as a lot of these characters are. But I'm not these characters. I don't need to agree with them. I I love this movie, and there's not there's nothing that anyone anyone's going to say that will that will keep me from that.
2: Yeah, uh, people have been attacking the politics of this movie, saying that one people have interpreted it as racist because Ben Zaitlin's white. And two, oh, my God. That and, and this is kind. Of, I mean, Ben Zyland, I have no idea what his politics are, but he seems like a pretty, you know, I'm probably assuming too much liberal guy. Yeah. Um people have interpreted it as right wing, like saying that uh, like it's, it's about keeping government out of the lives. Of yeah,
0: people. no, no, fuck
2: off. I, that's a total. That's this movie is a fairy tale. This movie is about a girl and her father. That is what people should be focusing on because that is absolutely the focus of the film. A girl and her father and her mother, in a way, as kind of an ethereal figure in the movie. Yeah. I think this movie is magical. It makes my um, honorable mentions.
0: And it's yeah, I just, mean, oh, I'm sorry.
2: No, no, you're fine. I mean, I just think that Clemenjanae Wallace and I think Dwight Henry is fantastic. Both Dwight Henry is just great. Um, both will be in minor characters in Twelve Years a Slave, which I'm excited yeah. to see them be reunited in that film because they just have all the chemistry. Is yeah. Dwight Henry? Is Dwight Henry's character a good guy? No, not really. I don't, but I still like him as a human being because I, I see his complexity.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's one critic that I'm not going to mention, but you know, he's a critic that I follow um, quite a bit, and I, I very much respect. He said that this is, is, this film was a case of a white director using um black poverty entering turning that into magical realism and that is so not the case
2: i will say as someone who's a fan of latino magical realism um <laughs> in literature that a lot of magical realism does come out of poverty so <laughs> yeah
0: yeah like it's so,
2: just it's I, it's a logical thing yes bless I mean, me ultima as magical re- i mean you know gabriel garcia marquez like these 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 works of literature have magical realism and a lot of them come out of poverty it's just a fact yeah (laughs) but but um, but doesn't that make sense when your life sucks one of my other honorable mentions i'm kind of just i'm I'm weeding them in now life of pi would be an honorable mention for me is it also about you know fantasy and how sometimes that's preferable to the crappy world you live in like doesn't that make i mean that just makes sense to me
0: i don't know yeah
2: i think people get too uptight over these things yeah of course and the movie's fantastic. I, I am in agreement. Um, my number three, you've mentioned before, is David Fincher's *The Social Network*, the best movie right. of 2010. Um, I love this movie. I loved it the first time I saw it. I love like this movie when I saw the, the the original trailer. I immediately got excited for it, even though trailers can be deceptive hmm. and have, have made me disappointed for movies. But the one with the choir version of Radiohead's *Creep*. It's, um, yeah. it's I was just like, wow, this movie looks really interesting. Like It just got sucked me into, like, I really want to know how th- I, they're going to pull off a movie about, about Facebook and make it good. But it looks so compelling, so I want to give it a chance. It's the opposite of the Jobs movie coming out, which the trailer oh. makes it look like trash, and Aston Kutcher's in it. So there's no reason to assume it's not going to be trash, because Aston Kutcher, like Ryan Reynolds, is someone... If he's in a movie, I will not see it unless literally Roger Ebert rest in peace was to come back as a ghost and tell me that this movie's great would be the only way I would see an Ashton Kutcher movie.
0: To his um, to his to his um to his benefit though, he does look a hell of a lot like Steve Jobs.
2: Yes, they they actually did a really good job of making him look, but I know his acting is gonna be atrocious. <laughs>
0: so I just I
2: just yeah, don't want to yeah. see it. I, I, I'm not denying, I'm not denying that. Um, again, I've actually heard he's
0: uh, – I've heard about people who do know him and say he's a nice guy. I don't care. He's a bad actor. Um, yeah, well, well the, the Funny or Die, um, I, Steve film is probably going to be a better Steve Jobs movie than that.
2: <laughs> probably, yes. Her will somehow be a more be, be a better Apple movie than okay. <laughs> Spike Jonze's Her with
0: Joaquin James. Speaking Dini. of which, did you notice in Elysium they were using Max? Like, look, look at the key... Like, if you see it again, you look at the keypad, they're using Apple Apple stuff.
2: I was not the biggest fan of Elysium, but that will be a better Apple movie than, <laughs> than Jobs. Than Jobs. Um, but um, but yes, the social network. Um, I, I'm one of those guys who you're, you're quoting where you're like, you don't agree with. That really sees this movie as using Facebook to be a mirror of how we are... How, like, society is evolving. But I well, do sure think there, that...
0: I'm sure there might be interpretations that i just don't get yet. oh no oh yeah i mean but i would
2: agree with you that that is secondary just to the drama yeah the drama of steve jobs and the betrayal that he that he and his or did i say steve
0: jobs you said steve <laughs> jobs yeah
2: ashton kutcher you son of a bitch um um <laughs> mark zuckerberg and 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 eduardo is a uh, is business associate, um, and played by wonderfully by Andrew Garfield. I love Andrew stu- Garfield. Snubbed for an, uh, an Oscar nomination. Um, just how they are best friends and how that relationship dissolves just because of power. I mean, it's essentially a Shakespearean tragedy. No one dies at the end, but it is about how the flaws of the man lead to their downfall. Yes, you could argue that Mark Zuckerberg became this, you know, one of the wealthiest people, the youngest billionaire in the world. But is that Also, really? kind, of, also kind of a prick. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Um, but can you really say at the end of that movie that he's happy? No, he's pathetic, checking his Facebook messages to see if Rooney Mara is going to... The, the, the best ending of the year. Fantastic ending. Or oh just God, keep just rechecking keep his Facebook to see if Rooney Mara is going to accept his friend request. This is the creator of Facebook, and he's sitting
0: there. He's obsessing over Facebook. Yes. How genius is that just yes. one of the many moments of just pure genius in this fucking movie
2: the digital photography uh trent reznor and atticus uh ross or is it atticus ross right or... well no yes A- it's atticus A- ross well um oh, oh oh the score you mean yes the score is just flawless um the screenplay acting even justin timberlake plays an annoying prick that's okay because pretty sure yes, he's great
0: as an annoying yeah. prick.
2: <laughs> exactly
0: so um I'm a my number three. I'm a big fan of Social Network. Yeah, um but it's not the best movie of 2010 because Ooh. my number two, Toy Story three. Oh nah. yeah, yeah. Come at me, bro. I can't. It's a fantastic movie. <laughs> yeah, this an, another one of those films that I get completely verklempt just <laughs> just thinking about it. Yeah. Um, this is a this is a kids movie, and that blows my mind. That at the end of the day, it still is, because it is about neglect and it is about um being outmoded and being outloved, you know, not being loved anymore. And in 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 one instance, it's about death. And I am not gonna you know I'm not gonna say what I'm I'm not gonna give get into specifics. But when these characters are faced with the possibility. And very strong possibility of dying, literally dying. Mm-hmm. Um, they – and 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 they realize that they pro- they're probably not going to get out of it. They embrace it. Mm-hmm. They embrace each other. I – I'm sorry. No,
2: it makes I just, I just fucking
0: started tearing up on the internet. <laughs> I fucking do that. But it's a great moment
2: and, and it's it, – I thought they were going to. I thought they were going to die. Um, I I was I was in awe at that moment. Um, I was working at a summer camp. and I took a bunch of kids to see it, and I think it hit me harder than it hit them. <laughs> like holy crap! Just you know, they're going into the depths of hell essentially, and they're going together. Yeah, and they just oh, fuck, just holding hold hands. Uh, um, I was once talking to um uh, some students when my when I was student teaching back in college. That I, I told them, you know, that that movie is like is like a Christ allegory in in a really interesting way where they go into the depths of hell and are reborn. Like it's not a Christian movie at all. I'm just saying like, it follows that <laughs> that sort of like 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 they go into the depths of hell and are reborn new with with the new owner. It's just and then that and I think that's just so smart of them to structure the movie that way, because I think it adds more credence to their in, in a way reincarnation.
0: Um, yeah.
2: And, and it's, the- it's such a smart movie. Oh.
0: And for no, the first and for the first time, Andy is a character, mm-hmm. because you know he, he doesn't really need to be a character in the first two films. He's just no. the object of the toys' um, uh, devotion, but he he has a legit character arc in in this film, and you know I think uh, you know because the first Toy Story was way back in Nintendo Nine, um, mm-hmm. before that. You, you know, I'd say up until The Incredibles, Pixar really couldn't animate humans all that well. Um, they all just kind of look like, you know, like marionettes that mm-hmm. just happen to move, which, which is fine, and that's why they focus on inanimate objects and monsters and, and bugs, you know. Because, like, if you see Andy or the, the mom in the background in the first or second Toy Story, um, they, they just look super awkward, and yeah. But by the time of Toy Story 3, they've obviously made films that focus on humans like Up and like, um, um, uh, uh I'm blanking, um, The Incredibles and, mm-hmm. um, and, 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 and Finding Nemo to a certain extent and, mm-hmm. uh, and Ratatouille, um, well, and Wally, but those, those humans look nothing like us. Well, they look yes. like some of us. <laughs> um, but, you know, by the time they got <laughs> to Toy Story 3, they really knew how to animate humans and make them, you know, emote as much as they can make toys emote back in Mm -hmm. Toy Story 2 um I I I would still even though I'm putting this so high up on my list and even when the decade's out I probably will put this on put this on my decade list um I still would probably put Toy Story 2 above it just because I don't know it's a film that's been with me my entire life or most of my life Mm -hmm. and but it's it's unquestionably just one of the best animated films ever made. I'll go so far as, so far as to say that.
2: Toy Story three is fantastic. There's, there's no getting around that that movie's great. And and I'm not going to argue that the Social Network is better because just it would be futile because both movies are great. Yeah. They they can just share their greatness. Um, so, we're number two, aren't we?
0: Yeah, number two.
2: My number two will not surprise anyone that, uh, followed our uh, the, when, back when we were with your personal opinion is wrong. And that was the name of the blog. My number one movie of 2012 was Paul Thomas Anderson's the master. What? Yeah. You never, I, yeah. I, I actually, <laughs> I actually liked that movie. Um, you talk, when talk you, were, about it,
0: you talk shit about it so much when it was released
2: oh i know i just like man this movie's trash it has no focus it's just you know crazy joaquin being crazy joaquin worth waste no i love this movie
1: yeah it
2: like it just melted again i said that with inception like i just watched it and just the beautiful i I didn't get to see it in 70 millimeter because it's not going to come to kansas city but i was just sitting there and and just looking at the way that that movie was photographed, so just
0: basically on the forefront, the way it looks is beautiful. I just sat close to the screen and I, I was like, "This is pretty much it." <laughs> this yeah. is pretty much this is pretty much seventy millimeter.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. If you're so close, the just the details, the the wonderful tracking shots, the close-ups uh, during the processing scene between Walking Phoenix's Freddie Quell and Philip Seymour Hoffman's uh, Lancaster Dodd, just. It's just so wonderful. Like I love the way this movie looks.
0: I love the soundtrack. And, by... just, and just like the first shot of this film, where um on on the boat with Walking uh, Phoenix just laying on there and um mm-hmm. and just just the water pour, the the water pouring behind him. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just masterful. It's some of the best cinematography I've ever seen. I mean, um you know, uh, Skyfall probably had. Mm-hmm you know technically better cinematography i mean yeah, that just looked unbelievably gorgeous but this movie is on another level i mean every paul thomas anderson movie has a really distinct look to it mm-hmm. like there will be blood and really epic looking cinematography yes. and the, this film is just like a painting every every frame is like a painting
2: uh, yes i mean i mean he's making he's making a different movie he's still again with with after he was done with uh, punch drunk love he really transitioned to want to tell these stories about america in a way, where he wants to just look at these different aspects of our country that fascinate him, and with you know There Will Be Blood, he was telling a very focused story, through the point of a very focused individual, through uh, Daniel Plainview, the wonderful performance by uh, Daniel Day-Lewis, and that movie is really long, but that movie is propelled forward the entire time. Um, it, It does, I mean, I'm not saying it feels short, I'm just saying the movie is always going somewhere. Which I think is very—it's very focused in compared to the more chaotic, ethereal kind of elliptical. What is Freddie going to do next? Because yeah. this movie is following a protagonist who is not focused, who is yeah. uh, not intelligent. He's dangerous. Is not, he's dangerous. He's not a good person. You're not following a hero. You're following a a an case animal. study. Yes, absolutely. Man yeah. is not an animal. You're following a case study, which is why he he intrigues um, the master, Lancaster Dodd, so much. The way that those actors play off one another, and also just a great, subtle performance by
0: Amy Adams. Just that trifecta in that movie. She she ends up being the most powerful figure in the film. Absolutely, she is the master. Yeah, that comes at an absolute, just, you don't expect that. She is the Lady Macbeth of that family
2: and <laughs> yeah. she she has the control <laughs> over the sink whenever she wants it
0: Ooh, um, <laughs> oh, 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 oh. I see she, what you did
2: there. <laughs> yes thank you she i mean just the movie i've seen it three times now uh twice in theaters i went the first time at the alamo draft house and i went just by myself just because i needed to see it again and i watched it when i had the blu-ray and i
0: can't, it, every, wait, for, I can't wait for an alamo draft house to come to so oh
2: up. yeah Oh, you guys need one because yeah, it's it, it's pretty amazing. It's it's the the tickets are, are, are decently priced. It's the food that gets you, but yeah, it's just it, it's worth it. It's um kudos to you Alamo Draft House because you guys do a great job. But um, but I just every time I find something new, find a different like look into the movie. Like you can interpret the movie as a a love story, a love and love between your protagonists in a way. You can interpret it. I mean some people accuse it of being a Rorschach test, but doesn't that again go with the whole theme of the movie of mental instability and the way that these powerful people take advantage of the mentally ill? Yeah. And like it just, it's perfect sense that this has multiple interpretations that it is so wild that it is a Rorschach test. I think that's logical and I think it's why this movie is great. This is the masterpiece. It it will, it will gain respect through time.
0: I think I think it's actually it's pronounced Rorschach. Thank you. I know that from Watchmen. I think. Um, <laughs> well, well, there you go. <laughs> uh, just one more thing I really love about this movie. I mean, the classic interpretation of what America was like post World War II is that we flourished. We, you know, we, uh, you know, baby baby boomer gener baby boomer generation, blah 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 blah. You know, we, you know, you know, definitely flourished economically. Everything everything like that, but. I think what this movie does is it tells a smaller story about someone that didn't turn out so well after the war. I mean, there's no question this dude suffers from PTSD. There's,
2: mm-hmm. there's, no,
0: there's no question. And to call, this, to call this guy an alcoholic would be an understatement. Yes. I mean, I mean he, he's, it, drinking, it, he's drinking Clorox at, at one point. No, not Clorox, but like bleach at, some, at yes. some point. I'm surprised he didn't die. And, and just jet Just from fuel. drinking that. And jet fuel.
2: <laughs> this guy. I mean, he also has trauma from his relationship with his aunt um he, he's obsessed with his his, his his underage girlfriend who he wants to marry he's obsessed with sex
0: which goes back to his aunt I think
2: um, yeah
0: I mean I mean, just, the, I mean the first thing the first line in the movie is a joke about
2: crabs yes and 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 the final shot is him snuggling with a nude sand woman like like a sand castle in the shape of a n- naked woman that he just got done having his way with <laughs> to put it bluntly um yeah, it's just, it's it's so fantastic. Um, uh, D- Denny Levant and Daniel Day-Lewis gave two of the most masterful performances last year. Completely different, not comparable, but both impressive in their own way. That, Joaquin's the one, the performance I just attached myself to immediately, though. Yeah,
0: yeah, of course. Um, he, it, it's
2: just my favorite of last year.
0: Yeah, he, he's unbelievable in this movie. And, and apparently he did pull a Daniel Day-Lewis and stay in character the whole time.
2: Oh, that's, I mean, he. The reason that um, I talked to someone recently that said that he has no range. I'm like, the no, man. Fuck off. Cha- the man changed the way he moves his body. The way he changed the topography of his face. Yes, I know. He, I know his lip, like, is a very um, obvious thing about his face. But he changed the way that looks. He did not look like himself in that movie.
0: No, of course not. That is
2: incredible acting. Just to be yes. able to to become that, and then look at her again. It's one of the most it's one of the most uh per, uh hyped performances of the year ever since that trailer came out. I'm excited to see him do that the yeah. sort of quirky romantic role in a weird movie. That I, I'm really excited for Spike Jones as her. Um, I wasn't Absolutely. until I saw the trailer. I'm like, wow, I underestimated this for some reason.
0: Yeah. Um. And, uh, <sighs> number one, huh? Oh, yes. Upstream Color. I, th- there was kind of no question about it. This, um, I know I was going to try to avoid 2013 movies, but th- this film had such, um, uh, I- I'm not even sure what the word is, masterful, um intense impact on me the first time I watched it and I've seen it I've seen it 3 times since then and every time I I get so many new things out of it and it's not even a film that I can truly describe um I'll try to um you know, the, the, this uh this is the second feature by Shane Carruth who uh, is was most famous well the only thing he did before this movie was direct uh, primer in 2004 i believe it, it's been nine years since since then and um he tried to get another another film made that would have required a much bigger budget and that didn't end up get, um, taking off but this film it start it starts with um it starts with a a woman named uh, a woman played by emmy Simetz named chris who is you know he's working a normal job she has a as far as we know, a normal life. Um, but, uh, she's essentially drugged and left in this state where she is is manipulated by someone who we will, we will only know as the thief. And basically everything she is, she has worked for in her life is gone. Her house is gone. Her job is gone. All All of her money, everything is gone. um, and it's fairly straightforward up to there after after that good luck um this is essentially a meditation on how much how how far you can strip away at someone's identity via just their material possessions their um The, you know, their their material possessions, their their belongings, various things that we use to define ourselves. How far away can we strip that before we get to nothing? We get to where a person is not even a person anymore, and it's a very very horrifying thing. But by the end of this, by the end of this film. It's just so profound to me and I think this is one of the most hopeful films I've seen in a long time in that the human condition is such a flawed thing and e- even though happiness is in a way achieved at the end, it's not perfect and the characters you could argue if they were even right in what they did. Mm-hmm. Um you can argue if there's some sort of moral gray area, but this just made me think about how beautiful the, uh, I, I, I feel like I'm being so pretentious here, but th- this film made me remember how beautiful the human condition is as flawed and as horrifying as it can sometimes be just how beautiful life, life is. <laughs> and, um,
2: I completely agree. I, I think this movie's great. Um, I didn't put it on my list because I too was trying to avoid 2013, and and I'm still trying to like place like where I put this versus um, some of the other great movies that I've seen this year, like Francis Ha, that I really yeah. enjoy. Like like it, it, it's hard for me to play, like to rank quote unquote like a lot of the movies that came out this year, but it it's going to be one of those growers because it requires so many viewings. It's yeah, kind of absolutely. Movie that, that can get me emotionally, and intellectually stimulated that I can really dig it.
0: I'm just happy that I was able to see it in theaters because not everyone was able to. I saw and it in VOD. Yeah, I, I'd say any format you can see this movie, I would definitely recommend. Just just any way you can see it, but I'm just personally happy I saw it in theaters because it's really a movie that you can really get lost in and really get enveloped in, a lot like The Master mm-hmm. um, and a lot like what I'm pretty sure is going to be your number one choice yes um just get just give it uh what we talked about so why don't don't you why don't you reveal your choice
2: well we both picked very conceptual (laughs) very ambitious
0: very i would say
2: divisive in a way um the film that i picked might be more quote unquote divisive but that's only probably because it's from a more established director and so more people have seen it Otherwise, that, who knows what would be like the, the, the regular Joe, meaning the people who don't listen to podcasts or read criticism, uh, view of, of uh, upstream color. But mine is Terrence Malick's The Tree of Life. Um, I recently wrote an essay for the, for Speakers and Screens for the Abandoned Theater portion of the blog. Um, my love letter, my in defense of, I had a really good debate with my sister-in-law who just thinks the movie is hollow and pretentious and and just there's nothing there except for it's beautiful. And that's not enough for her. And I didn't really do a good job of, like, explaining myself. So I was inspired to write my piece on why I think it's great. And, I mean, it's all there. It, it's pretty long, actually. I mean, I always... I'm long, long-winded but it um it's for, compared to some of the other ones i've written for just one movie as opposed to like my before midnight one which took forever it's just three movies but it's it's just the movie instills this sort of awe and i forget how much i love it unless i've seen it like, like oh yeah the tree of life i love that movie and then i'll re-watch it and i'll remember every moment of why i love it and i'll see something else and i'll start piecing together Bits and pieces I didn't previously understand. Like this time, I was focusing on. Uh, the, it's like the fifth time I've seen it now, and just on the on the point of view of the of the shot. Like you know, if the shot's from a low angle, it's because our, our protagonist Jack is, is a baby, and then everything is distorted. And then as he grows, the, the the cinematography always beautiful. Which I I mean I think even people who hate this movie find it physically beautiful. Um, just just yeah. the, the framing of the shots, but. It is just, it, it's also smart in the way it places the camera. Um, the plot of the film is a coming-of-age story of this boy named Jack who has two younger brothers, a very conservative, um, wrong-headed father played by Brad Pitt, and a very quiet, um, ethereal mother played by Jessica Chastain in one of her first role, big roles. She had a bunch last uh, two years ago twenty eleven yeah. was her kind and then it all culminated, I think, with uh, her her lead performance and Oscar nomination for Zero Dark Thirty. But she yeah. but she's she was also, um, nominated,
0: also nominated for an Oscar for the help. Yes, it's really, it's like, and, and I've a, seen the help and the help
2: is an insultingly dumb movie to me, but the I performance think she's good had, in it. Absolutely. Every performance from the from her, uh, Octavia Spencer and Viola Davis are fantastic. It's just what the movie's doing bothers me. Yeah. Um, but but, but if, yeah. I, I mean, if Viola Davis would have won the Oscar And so would have won two acting Oscars I would have been okay with it I don't really Because yeah. I like Octavia Spencer as well But that's, this is besides the point We're t- talking the Tree of Life here um, but, she, but so The kid is faced With death Both when he grows up When he's played by Sean Penn When, his, when the middle brother dies And when he is a child When he sees a kid die at the pool he's drowned. And then another kid is burned in a fire, does not die, but the camera keeps returning to the back of his head because he is is scarred from, from the experience he had. So after his, his dealing with death, he grows more and more volatile against his father when he sees his father's flaws, against his mother when he sees his mother's flaws. And then when his father leaves for a while, he goes in a way off the deep end when he sneaks into people's houses and steals negligee and tries to hide it afterwards because he's ashamed, kind of a sexual re, uh, awakening in a way. And then when his father comes back, he's still on edge, but he is learned that he is just like his father. And the film, like, that is the plot. But the actual meaning is much deeper with the themes of God, with the themes of science, with evolution and with the Big Bang Theory, with themes of uh, grace versus nature where nature is heartless and is the way of things, and a naturalistic view in the world versus grace, which is forgiveness, which is understanding, which is what his mother represents. So it plays with these themes with a wonderful soundtrack that also shows us, with all the classical music used at this film, is not a plot-based film. It's not about the character arcs, even though I think they're there. It's about the feeling that music gives you stanley kubrick did this for 2001 amazingly and terence malick is doing it differently than, than, than kubrick did because kubrick's film 2001 space odyssey had movements like like a classical music piece but they were very structured movements this one the movements are not as obvious they flow within one another and repeat certain phrases and it just it and to me i'm not saying it's better than 2001 even though they're really close for me personally. I will say that it does feel more like music in a way, which I think turns a lot of people off, obviously. I think that's the issue, is that the way it's structured really bothers a lot of people. But for me, I just find this film so incredibly powerful.
0: Okay, I'm not really going to talk about this, because uh, well, for one, I, I, I do need to watch it again. I really do. Um, But then we, we're going on 2.15, and I still want to do honorable mentions. Oh, absolutely. Okay, well, I, I, I'm just going to really... I'll go through these maybe maybe make one comment about them but i really mm-hmm. want to make it make it quick yes. um my honorable, our honorable mentions are um enter, enter the void directed by Gaspar noe hmm. um like, very just dreamy kind of brutal you know and not as brutal as some of his earlier films but a really beautiful in comparison i think um Jeff, who lives at home, directed by Mark and J. Duplass. I think, like Richard Linklater, they do really great small-scale human stories, and I think this is I think this is their best film yet. <clears throat> um, Goon, one of the best sports comedies I've seen in the past recent in the past few years. I really I really think it's underrated. And I really think Sean William Scott really delivers a a great performance as kind of a, a Kind of a brute, but an extremely likable, a, a lovable one. Mm-hmm. If kind of a stupid one. Um, this this is gonna come come out of nowhere, but um, Winnie the Pooh, hmm. the 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 Disney one, which was so it. horribly marketed and released on the same day as the last Harry Potter movie. Oh,
2: um, that's
0: stupid! Oh my who, god! The, the people who you know, the people who decided that should be fired. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, this movie is is so. So charming and sh- so old fashioned and old fashioned and so sweet and so so funny. I mean, some people, some people who worked on the music, the the guy who worked on the music for this film. There's a lot of musical um, moments. Um, is the guy who worked on the Book of Mormon and Avenue Q. So you Ooh. you can. I uh, I just think it's just, I just think you should see this movie. I think it's one of the smartest um, kids movies out there, and um, uh, Paranorman. Which I think is one of the most mm-hmm. important kids' movies out there, just really just good. just for its message about uh, uh, just being unkind to mm-hmm. people who are different, you know, I, and and just the way it goes about it, it goes about it in a much less ham-fisted way than I just said, basically. But oh, I the think, movie,
2: yeah, the movie is very gentle.
0: Yeah. It's and, 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 and it's and it's subtle and it's creative I, I i just love this movie um uh the comedy featuring Tim heidegger and eric mm-hmm. warheim um we probably disagree with this one but i actually think this is also a very important movie um mm-hmm. about our um about the complacency and just the innate cruelness of our of our society you know 2030 somethings. um i really think that more people should see it um, ex, uh, excision two words Annalyn McCord that's it just just watch this movie it will kind of fuck you up but it's kind of great and my last honorable, honorable mention um, Shut Up and Play the Hits the LCD Ooh. sound system concert movie which is also more substantive and more subtle than a lot of concert movies in that w- when you hear James Murphy talk about how he's you know, afraid of of being outmoded and and aging, much in the same way a lot of the toys in Toy Story are, be, are afraid of being yeah. outmoded. Um, mm-hmm. I really think it goes to a place that a lot of concert movies, a lot of movies like that, uh, wouldn't dare to go. I really think it's I really think it's great.
2: Whenever he breaks down at the end, always gets me.
0: Yeah. Nice. Um, uh, I'm done with honorable mentions, so.
2: All right, mine, I'll just go through quick. I could have added, like, as you were naming a lot of yours, like Perks Being a wildflower, and, and, and many of the others, uh, I could have added those to mine. Um, mine's a, a pretty short list. I just put movies I really liked that I thought about of top of my head after this. Um, the first two could have easily made my list Zero Dark Thirty. Um, Blow me. <laughs> Robbie hates this movie. Finds He, he finds that it, it goes back to the controversy that this movie's faced Um and we just have, we have very big dis, uh, differences of opinion on the way it's depicted in this film. Um,
0: I don't want to go on about it. it, it, it we're, we're already at 220. Yes,
2: but uh, maybe one day we'll have the great Zero Dark Thirty debate, but that will not be today. Yeah. I, I love this movie.
0: Um, Catherine Bigelow did a great job.
2: Moonrise Kingdom. Um, oh,
0: I forgot that. I should have put that on my honorable mention. Probably not my list, but my honorable mention. Yes,
2: Moonrise Kingdom is, I think, Wes Anderson's best movie yet, and I'm, I was already a fan, so it's saying something. Um, I really liked Aronofsky's Black Swan. Um, yeah, very good. Um, especially if you like do a double feature with um, The Wrestler. It. Just together, those two movies work beautifully. Um, it's also a pseudo-horror movie, so it may be the only horror movie that made my list, if you count that as one. Um, Mother, uh, I recently watched it. I'm going to throw it on here because um, yeah. it's, I, think, I think it's going to grow. It's it's an ambiguous release date, but I'll call it 2010. Uh, uh, no, it, it was released in
0: the U.S. in 2010, so I'm definitely okay. counting that.
2: Sweet. So I got I got Mother. I got a Korean movie on here. Um, another year, Mike Lee's Another Year, starring Jim Broadbent. Um, I love this movie. It's It's another one of those really complex, character-driven family dramas. And it goes through each season as this family progresses and as their very best friend is having her issues. And the final shot is just so sad and beautiful and simple. Uh, I really recommend Mike Lee's Another Year. It's a British film. Um, Beast of Southern Wild, Life of Pi, yeah. really, uh, and Cloud Atlas. are three movies I view as um, kind of a trifecta of the next tier of my favorite 2012 films. And they all could have made my top three easily of that year. But there was, I, th- I actually think last year was a very strong year in film. And those Extremely movies, strong year. I love last and, year. Yeah, absolutely. And those three movies are very hopeful, very fantastic in their... meaning they're like fantasy, like...
0: Fantastical,
2: yeah. Yes, fantastical, the way they view the world. And um, I think, and of the three, the most controversial on my list is Cloud Atlas. The book is better, but the book is a freaking masterpiece. But the movie is still really great. Easily my favorite Wachowskis film and my favorite Tom Tickler film. Um, I'm a huge fan of Cloud Atlas. Um, And Toy Story 3 as well all in Toy Story 3 because I love that
0: movie okay we really need to go we're at 2.22 and oh yeah yeah this is probably (laughs) the longest podcast I've ever uh, I've ever ever been in. but this is sort of an ambitious one so Mm -hmm. we went ahead and did it um so thanks to everyone that that was watching hopefully you're not hearing the stupid real human being song right now (laughs) um um, and um, we'll see. We'll see you all next time we decide to do a movie podcast. Bye. Absolutely. Bye.
1: Bye.
2: I'm gonna move my computer again. Kyle, cut this out.
0: Kyle, cut this out. Kyle, All cut right. this out. Kyle, yeah. cut this
2: out. Thank you, Kyle.
0: Okay, I think that went fairly well.
2: Yeah, it was rocky at first, but as soon as we started talking my Elysium, I think it got better. I think we're getting our bearings. Be